0: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're well, Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics! Hello, Ward. Eric, 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 Eric. That's it? Yeah, no, I was working all weekend, so I have nothing else to say. So I'm just going to ask you your opinions of what was a very big weekend in IU sports that I missed completely. So I'm relying on you and your expertise to tell me why I should be super
2: excited. Where do you want to start? You want to start football or you want to start basketball? Go chronological. You know, pretend,
0: pretend, You know, you were on a trip that I didn't get a go on, and you gotta catch me up to speed.
2: So Hoosier Hysteria. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Look, every year I get really excited for Hoosier Hysteria, and it doesn't really matter to me in the past how good or bad the productions have been. I get really excited. Uh, I used to do little parties for Hoosier Hysteria. I think you have been to one or two of those where we would get together, we'd watch it, and uh Usually, really... your, usually your parties had more production value. <laughs> well, we're going to get there. Um, it's just an exciting time. It's a celebration of Indiana basketball. It's, it's, it's a cool event because you don't have to worry about losing <laughs> right? Like that's the, 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 most events come with just a built-in level of impending stress because you know what's on the line. Yep. And this is one of those public events where that does not play into it. So it's a wonderful time to be an Indiana University basketball fan. Somehow they did, they figured out a way to ring up a loss, but, uh, but, but I just want to give the context of I just get excited every year. Look, it's, they
0: they it's the tip off. It's the official beginning of our favorite thing in the world.
2: And I want to say this too. I think there are three ways to go about a opening practice event. Okay. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. The first way is you blow it out of the park as an entertainment event. And that is what many of the big programs have done in recent years. Kentucky obviously has been doing it for a long time. Kansas, they got into some, you know, hot water with the Snoop Dogg spraying money and having like strippers. I get it.
0: You can't tell me that hurt them with recruiting though.
2: Not one iota. Not one iota. Quite quite the opposite, I would imagine. Probably. I mean, they had Snoop Dogg there. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Villanova, the Catholic school. Has you know a Jesuit school? I'm pretty sure it's a Jesuit school. They have um, made some waves with really doing big productions. They have brought in hip hop acts. Uh, you know, Michigan State. Uh, I would get frustrated year in and year out seeing Michigan State. Izzo would dress like a Spartan, you know, and come out. They would have fun with it. They they had some big, big moments, and those moments live on, especially in the age of social media. Yes. Those videos get sent out. Recruits see them. They pass them, sharing links, sharing tweets. Way more than recruits are ever going to see the
0: entire event. Are they, they're going to see the clips way more than the, the total event. Right.
2: And clearly those schools have made a decision that we're going to use this event as a promotable device for who we are. We're big, we're fun, we're entertaining, we're cool, we're relevant. And, you know, like in Izzo's case and, and some of the others, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We like to have fun, we'll poke fun at ourselves, and you go for it. That's one way to go. The other way, a secondary way to go, is truthfully what Bobby Knight used to do, which was it's a practice. Right now, look, I think we all know that when Bobby Knight allowed us in to see Midnight Madness back in the day, it was not a real practice, right? right? Like he was smart enough to pull back, but we got to see them run some drills and that was cool and that was how it was billed. It was not billed as a recruiting event. It was billed as the kickoff to practice and we're going to do a practice. Let's get these guys in and if you want as a fan to come in and get your first shot at seeing the team and the players – Here you go. The third way is don't do it. Like don't do anything. Mm. UCLA, UCLA does nothing. There's other schools, they don't do anything. They're like, we don't want to spend the money and the resources on the big event. We don't think we can pull that off for whatever reason. You know, either they don't want to spend the resources. They don't think that they've got the right people to produce it. They don't think it'll really resonate. And in a city like Los Angeles where it's filled with entertainment, I can understand how they think that they couldn't compete on that level. So you just don't do it. See,
0: that, that that to me doesn't make sense. Because of all the places in the world you could pull off a spectacular entertainment event, it's Los Angeles.
2: Maybe, but Ward, the truth is, like, people don't go to the games in L.A. Well,
0: yeah, but that's irrelevant. You can get famous, good-looking people in the crowd and maybe, send those
2: out to recruits. M- maybe, but here's the truth. They were in the Final Four last year.
0: Well, that that's so, when you so do they don't that. Need you don't really need right. any of it.
2: But but here, my point is, any one of those three decisions is valid. It is. I, I if Indiana came out with, and 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 committed to any one of those three, I'd be like, okay, if they just want to show a practice and have Woody work out there with the team for an hour, I get it. Well, and and
0: you and I, we've gotten a chance to to look at a few practices, not one with coach Woodson, maybe hopefully someday, one day, but I love that. I don't think it's a big deal for recruits or to generally get hype and buzz around the program, but for true basketball junkies, Hoosier junkies, that's awesome.
2: Totally agree. Now I do think as a guy like you that works in entertainment and, and does, work in a world where part of my job is to reach out to young people on some level yeah that entertainment matters to them being cool and relevant matters to them social content, media,
0: Con- content matters
2: it does and so i do think that of the of the uh, the the poopoo platter if you will of choices here <laughs> that the first one of building an entertainment event is an opportunity you can take advantage of an opportunity Does it get you to get a commitment from a five-star recruit that you otherwise would not have gotten even in the conversation with? Probably not. But does it help you promote your program to a group of people moving forward that says, oh, wow, this is a program that is cool and relevant, and maybe I should pay a little more attention to them? Yes, I I just think that's human nature. I think it's a huge opportunity. What Indiana chose to do this weekend was take that opportunity, squat on top of it, and take a giant shit everywhere they could. <laughs> that 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 is and 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 I'm and, and I'm sorry, that's offensive to the process of taking a dump. Because I'm sorry, it was atrocious. It, I talked to several people that were there, and look. The You and me, if we were in Bloomington and we took our kids, they'd probably have a good time. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that was kind of fun, you know, for an hour and a half. That's fine. But that's not who this is for if you are going this route. Right. It is not for the boosters. It is not for the 60-year-old fan of Indiana who's been to Every Midnight Madness for 40 years. If you go this route, if you promote it, which we did, and call it, Hoosier hysteria and and send a press release out and make it a big deal and promote it. It is for recruits now and in the future. That's who it's for. And Indiana made the choice to not commit to it. So take any one of those three examples. The only bad thing you can do in those three you know, buckets of events is to choose one and then not do it, not commit to it.
0: And, uh, unless it's the one where you're not doing it, in, in, in which case it's perfect to not <laughs> well, do it.
2: if you choose that one, you don't commit to it, and you end up doing something without telling anybody about it, that would be bad too. <laughs> um, but we chose to do this route, and we put on, from the moment it started, when I saw the set, and I'm using uh, finger quotes that they built, it looked like my kid's middle school production of Alice in Wonderland, where the kids got to build the set. And by the way, the set was so cheap. And if you don't believe me, and if you're like, "Oh, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't look too bad," it was so cheap that as the event ended and people were walking off, half of it fell down and hit Ted Kitchell in the head.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's okay. So we we can, right. I mean, he, he wasn't hospitalized. He
2: was not hospitalized. But it was just from moment one, it was cheap. It was low rent. There was very little effort put to entertaining people. It was just check the box. Of, and, and I got to tell you, there's just so much word that I could go into here that really pisses me off about it. But they show a video of Woody, you know, to hype up everybody. The video they show of Woody focuses on the press conference of him being announced. Okay. The, the quote that they end up using that, that they focus in on is, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little but but the quote was basically, this program is going to be about family. Okay. Okay. Great come out of the video and show me the 40 former Hoosier basketball players who have come to be part of the family kickoff event. Show them to me. Where were they? Oh, I kind of made out John Leskowski sitting in the in the stands. I heard that Ted Kitchell later got hit by a piece of wood. And then they had Isaiah Thomas, which is so cool that Isaiah was there. But that was it. where was the family war? Where if you're going to promote that, it's a family. Make it a family. Bring them back. Have a section. Walk them across the center of the court. Have the announcer talk about how many Big Ten championships are walking across the center of the court right now, waving to the fans. Have them walk directly in front of where you have your recruits. It's about family. Where's the family? I saw one member of the family, Isaiah Thomas. I loved it. I loved that Isaiah was there. But let me go to Isaiah, and I'm sorry. I know I'm going off here, and, and you're not. No, talking this is about
0: it. this is. I need you to catch me up to speed, and and I had a feeling it wasn't gonna gonna be exactly effusive in its praise.
2: Isaiah Thomas is one of let's let's just let's let's level set here. Isaiah Thomas is one of the five best players to ever play at Indiana University. Agreed.
0: Sure. I mean, you you could say you could say between what he did at IU and after IU. There's a very strong argument that he is the greatest player.
2: Okay. All right. But, but therefore, you would not argue top five. <laughs> no. Okay. He is the most successful NBA player of, the, let's call it the modern era, maybe ever, that all played time. at Indiana. Easily. Of all time. all time. He is one of the top 50 NBA players of all time. Yes. Okay. There were a lot of students there. They, they make up a good chunk of the, the crowd. I would bet you, Ward, that a third of that audience does not really know who Isaiah Thomas is. Agreed, and that might, be, that might be generous. That might be, that might be generous. When they introduced Isaiah Thomas to come out and speak to the crowd, they put up a graphic with a few stats. Where is the video, Ward, that shows Isaiah Thomas dribbling the ball on Assembly Hall's court in front of Bob Knight intercut with dribbling and breaking down Michael Jordan off the dribble, where Magic Johnson comes over to him and gives him a kiss, where he beats Larry Bird in the playoffs, where's the video that shows him cutting down the nets two times in the NBA and then cutting down the nets in Philadelphia with Indiana for our fourth national championship? Where's the video that shows him hoisting the NBA all-star player of the game MVP trophy with also hoisting the national title trophy at Indiana. Where is the video to introduce Isaiah Thomas to a group of people who may not remember, may not know at all, or would just love to be reintroduced to the amazing accomplishments of this incredible player. That's how you treat a superstar. That's how you introduce a superstar to your people.
0: In the NBA now, if you had a good run with a team in a city and you go play for another team and then you come back, your first game back on the visiting team, they cut a hype video. Right, for right. It because the crowd loves it. They love that nostalgia. They love to actually see the glory days played out in front of them before this person is trotted out onto the court.
2: Yes. And you know what else it does? It's a direct message to the recruits that says, oh, you come to Indiana? That's the... This- That's what can happen. That's how we treat our players when they come back. That's how we revere them. Come be a part again of this family. We don't put up a still frame graphic with a couple Uh. stats on it asking people to read. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how they introduced uh, Isaiah Thomas to the crowd. It was so bad that Isaiah, who did a fantastic job of doing his best to rev the crowd up, and he did, Mm -hmm. he had to point out his own success. He had to (laughs) point out people in the crowd wearing his jersey. He's like, you wearing the Detroit number 11, stand up. You wearing the Indiana 11, stand up. And that was cool, but he shouldn't have to do that. It should be done for him. And it wasn't. I found it uh, embarrassing. I found that embarrassing. Then, you know, I, look, I, they include the women in it, which is great, and we love Terry Morin. I, I would argue that if you had a producer who was producing the event, who knew how to produce an event, that person would sit down with Terry and Coach Woody and Isaiah and say, what are you guys thinking about saying? Oh, okay, Terry, maybe cut a couple minutes off of that because maybe seven, eight minutes is a little long. You know, I mean, just produce the event. Yeah. That's what producers do. And I could talk also about the video they did of Coach Woody coming out to, I like it when you call me Big Papa, which I love the song. I love that. Woody not coming out in the shirt. I like it when you call me the the Biggie shirt, your shirt that you've worn that many people have. I think that hurts the joke, truthfully. Sure, yeah. and, and, And truthfully, Ward, I think it just becomes egotistical without the shirt. I think the shirt makes it like, Okay, it's all tongue, tied together.
0: Yeah, tongue in cheek. It's funny. It's fun. Yeah, it
2: wasn't tongue in cheek though. The way they did it, it was. And and I, there were way. I, I would. I have some critique with the video, but I'm not going to nitpick the video. I thought the idea of it was was clever and could be really funny. But and, but are really
0: there's like why are you playing that song, for any reason unless he's wearing the the notorious. I know. Shirt.
2: It, I know. Other than like, I think I'm Big Papa. Like there's like,
0: there's no running joke about that. Like being his nickname, right? Like that. uh, There's, there's no connection now between that song and coach Woodson besides that now iconic t-shirt
2: besides our podcast with him. (laughs) Like the, the, I don't know of any public conversation that has happened about big Papa and coach Woody, except for when we asked him about it, when you were wearing the shirt. So I, I I just, it was a little bit of a miss there Now, that might have been a Coach Woody choice that he just decided I don't want to do that. Well, okay.
0: and he told us he didn't like the shirt. He did tell <laughs> us that he
2: did. Um, so the they then bring out, uh, they introduce the players. And again, I would have had a LED screens on both sides, like a wrestling entrance, like a WWE entrance. I would have had each player coming out while highlights of them were playing on the big screens next to them. And here's what else I wouldn't do. When I introduced Trace Jackson Davis, I wouldn't spell his name wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, I did not hear about that.
2: You didn't hear about
0: this? No, I did not. Ward,
2: they left out, they left out the sometimes why.
0: <laughs> not that time. Know why that time?
2: No, they spelled it t r a c e.
0: Do, do you think maybe Woody was in charge and the way he just likes to call people by the wrong name? Names. He's like, Oh, let's misspell these
2: names. Yeah, maybe they, they spelled our returning all Americans name wrong. Uh, d- d- was he wearing an
0: indinia jersey? Yeah,
2: exactly? <laughs>
0: I just so so
2: add that That, to the
0: mix that is the most bush league thing you've said to date and you're getting a pretty good list going
2: so they brought players out they threw things some of the players had fun with their walk-on songs um but just another thing that you can do like to help bring this along like bring in michael buffer Bring in a boxing announcer, go get somebody who's known for doing VO, spotlight them and let them bring on the announcers. It doesn't cost that much money, but it adds another piece of entertainment to the show. The other thing that's missing, you and I know, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, besides the fact that Woody is a great basketball coach and is revered and respected by many, and he's obviously a Hoosier through and through, Indiana made a decision that they thought to win the recruiting game right now, we have to pitch the NBA, right? Totally. And that's why Woody is here. Where is the video that shows Eric Gordon, Thomas Bryant, OG, Jawan Morgan, Yogi Ferrell, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller? Where is the video that takes those players, which are just from the last – 14 years or so and shows them kicking ass in the NBA, wearing NBA jerseys and cutting in with them dunking at assembly hall, winning big games at assembly hall, hitting big threes, you know, in Yogi and Cody's in Vic's case, winning big 10 championships. Where of Thomas Bryan, OG winning big 10 championship. Where is the video that says to the recruits that are there and those that may end up getting clips and a video that could go out, at Indiana we produce NBA stars and oh yeah we brought in this guy and show a video of Woody playing in the NBA standing next to Carmelo Anthony's coaching up Chris Paul winning an NBA championship where is that video nowhere to be found nowhere to be found so I'm sorry I'm getting hot well you know I'm
0: I'm kind of getting excited about Indiana basketball talk hearing you talk about all these things that they could have done because it's <laughs> it's true it's all true it's who we are it's what we have it's what these players have done and are doing and so i'm like god this is so great of basketball but that the crowd and the people watching at home they they didn't see any of that
2: you promote it as an entertainment big fun event you don't follow through on that promise You promote the fact that Woody says this program is all about family, and you feature one former member of of the Hoosiers, and there is no section of former Hoosiers to be had. And they scheduled this date well far in advance. They could have gotten, had they made the phone calls and had the right people making the phone calls, they could have gotten the people there. They could have had a Dane Fife reach out to people and go, listen, to, to his former teammates. You know, and other people that he's met along the way. I, we need you here. This is a big deal for us. We're family. Woody's back. Let's do this. It didn't happen. You want to promote the NBA lifestyle uh, or the NBA trajectory. They didn't do that effectively. You want to show that you're relevant and, and high class and a blue blood and everything they did from the set to spelling Trace's name wrong to, all, to no, no attention to detail on entertainment at all was low rent. And then they cap it off with one of the things that they promoted was you get to see a scrimmage, some version of a scrimmage. After they did the skills and the slam dunk contest, which, by the way, God bless Nate Childress, but he shouldn't be in the slam dunk contest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Honestly, with the injuries that they had, here's how you build the slam dunk contest. It is Trace and it is Jordan Geronimo. its Mono e mano-a-mano. Three rounds build it up, have an MC there building up, doing pre-interviews. What are you thinking about? How long have you been working on this? Maybe get a fan involved. Jordan, you want to jump over somebody? Who wants to be involved? You come, no, you're too short. Let's bring the tallest guy you can find down there. Get people involved, build it up, lower the lights, put some music on, build up the drama, none of that. But after all that was done, the skills competition was done. Everybody's waiting for the scrimmage which I am too. It's exciting to see our team play against each other and just to get a a sense of how they're flowing and what what do people look like and who's making shots. And granted, there were lots of people injured. We have a lot of people that are out right now. Miller Copp still recovering. Michael Doerr is still recovering. Uh, Xavier Johnson hasn't been cleared fully. Trey Galloway is sick. Christian Lander tweaked an ankle. All those guys were going to be out for the scrimmage. I get it. You still got eight scholarship players, and four walk-ons. You could have easily done some four-on-four stuff. Sure. Whatever. Well, and as we know,
0: basketball is really three-on-three. Exactly, as we
2: have been told. Uh, They play – they do three-man weave to warm up, you know, get the juices flowing. You don't want anybody going into a scrimmage cold. And they do the (laughs) three-man weave for ungodly amount of time, it seems. And then uh, they all line up for free throws, which was weird. (laughs) Like, are we really just going to watch free throws? Also, like, I don't know if it was mic'd in the arena, but it certainly wasn't mic'd for us to hear Woody, which was promoted that Woody would be mic'd during the scrimmage. That would have been entertaining, just hearing him coach a little bit. Totally. Nothing. It was just silence for like 15, 20 minutes watching. God bless the students for putting on the production. It was horribly done. And whoever the director was just did not direct it properly. Like, people were going nuts about the camera work. The director's job is to tweak the camera work. The camera guy focuses on something and the director says, widen out, get me this. And what should have been said, Ward, is during the three-point contest, show the basket! (laughs) You can't expect them to do everything. Ward, you could not see a single ball miss or go in. The entire time? I'll be honest. I was so angry that I was texting while it was happening. Every time I looked up, I couldn't see anybody make a shot. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so they do that. They, they do that. They shoot free throws. And I'm like, that's an odd choice. I, I get the three-man weave to get warmed up. And then they shoot free throws. And then they walk off the court. And that was the end of Hoosier hysteria. (laughs) They decided like the day before, too many guys out. We don't want to do a scrimmage of any kind. Okay, tell someone. There were people who bought Big 10 Plus for 10 bucks for the month just to see that. And they didn't communicate it. And by the way, I'm fine if you want to cancel the scrimmage, but get on the mic. Coach Woody and just tell people, hey, guys, we got too many guys banged up. And what's important is that we're ready for November 9th, not for October 2nd. So we're going to call this quits. These are my guys. We're going to bust our ass for you. We'll see you in a few weeks. Fine. They didn't communicate it. Fade to black. Hoosier hysteria. Over.
0: (laughs) Hey, but seriously, how'd they look on those free throws?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I was just the whole event was a missed opportunity. Just a flat-out missed opportunity.
0: Well, And And it has been year in and year out. But in this new chapter, in this new era, with Scott Dolson up top, Woody, our NBA guy, uh, running the show, it was the best opportunity to date to just take it to what you just described. And, man... Uh, I, I'm, I've got to say, I'm really disappointed to hear that report. Uh, and I, I wish I was surprised.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. We've been disappointed by these productions year in and year out. There was a moment a couple of years ago when Archie was there where they actually spent some money on some production elements. They built a stage. It was the year that Calbert Chaney was there, I believe. Yeah. Um, They built a stage, they had some screens and they invested in some projection mapping technology, which did like player profiles on the court. Right, Like it took up the whole court, it turned the court into a projection screen, which I thought was very cool. Um, Little things like that matter. Having a DJ or an MC that can drive the energy and get people involved matters. There was no interaction with the fan base at all. There was no promotion of the history. Uh, and the family that they're trying to make a big deal. And by the way, for those of you who might be like, you know, raising your eyebrows at the term family on that it doesn't matter to kids. Listen to these kids that are committing to Duke right now. Have you heard any of them talk, Ward, or, or read any of the interviews? Oh, they God, no. all bring up the brotherhood. That's what Duke uh, promotes. That is Duke's mantra. That Their LEO at Duke basketball is the brotherhood. And the brotherhood is this the everybody who plays at duke is part of the brotherhood you are brothers for life and we take care of our brothers we help you get jobs we get your back we're there for you tickets gear whatever it is you're part of the brotherhood and some of these top five-star recruits that have committed to them recently have brought that up it does matter it can matter i'll say that it can matter if you promote it and the iu family can matter
0: it's and you say, oh, this, is, this one thing isn't going to get a commit to commit. Of course not. It's never just one thing. It's usually a list that this kid and their family and their coaches have put together of pros and cons. And you have the money, the resources, the facilities, in theory, the the know-how, or at least the, the technical apparatus, to pull off Anything as spectacular as any of these other places, and boom, miss opportunity, that's one mark against you, or at least not in your pro column, where, yeah, maybe it's the 14th most important thing, but when you get into these battles that we want to be in, we're not really in the battles with Duke yet. Uh, we want to get back there, or Kentucky or Kansas, but we're trying now. I mean, you know, with with uh, KJ, that's, that's what they call him, uh, Jalen's teammate
2: oh oh, Kwame evans yeah i think it is kj evans i think you're right yep
0: um that okay well you know you need every possible mark you can get in the pro column to try to tip it in your favor
2: yes and we chose not to and that that's the thing that bothers me the most this isn't like a basketball game or a football game where you prepare all you can during the week you give it your all and the other there's another team out there preventing you from doing what you want, or you, your star player gets a little sick, doesn't have as much lift on his jump shot. So the ball's always short. Like that's not what this is. This is a simple choice. You either commit to it and then it will be something or you do not commit to it and it will be crap. And it was crap.
0: Period. I think the, the, the simple choice, I will say what you described not a lot of people can pull that off at the A-plus level, right? There's just not a lot of people running around in event planning that have the experience and the know-how to do that. Uh, I do think there's somebody who loves Indiana University who has that experience in a multitude of ways and has just laid out exactly how you make this as good or better as any Midnight Madness in the nation, and uh, that person has been offering their services for quite a few years now. And uh, if the people listening are picking up on what I'm saying here, uh, write your congressman. Uh, maybe next time you're you're kicking money uh, into the program into the university, uh, just say there there's a guy who could pull this off at an A plus level, and. Uh, IU is shooting itself in the foot by not asking him to do it. It is ridiculous.
2: Well, I appreciate that, but honestly. Oh, I
0: I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) No, I'm serious. You've got to fucking but, produce but, this but, thing. But You've out. got but, legit, no, I'll, I'll just lay it all out here. It's uh, so fucking stupid that they have not asked you to produce this thing. And seriously, if you're listening to this and any contact you have inside that department, tell them they're morons. And if they do it again next year, you're not going and you're not supporting Hoosier Hysteria because this is garbage. The players, the coaches, the fans, everybody deserves better than what they're putting out there.
2: I appreciate that. I like it when you get worked up. Um, but but I do want to say this. Honestly, th- this is not about me. Ward, honestly, they could have gone to any number of people, just commit to it, and it would have been better than what they put out. Honestly, Ward. It, I, well, okay,
0: but I don't know who those nameless, faceless people are that Ward, have a very special... They don't have a very special set of skills. Maybe... I don't know. Are there other people with your resume and your ideas floating around offering their services? I I mean,
2: honestly, I I doubt it. I really doubt it. Okay, but I think that if they would have gone to. I mean, Galen Clavia, like and just said, it's your thing, make it better. And Galen, you know, who's been in the telecom department, the media school, I should say, for years now, like I just think anybody who. They're not bringing in anybody who's focused on it. They're giving it to somebody in the athletic department who, God bless them, has never produced an event before and doesn't understand entertainment and creating content. That's not, that's not insulting that person. It's not fair to that person. It is from the highest of high at the department, Scott Dolson, has to make a decision next year. Do you want to do this and make it meaningful? Then do it. If you don't, then choose from the other two options. In open practice, where you mic up Woody, great, Ward, great. If that's what they decide to do, fine. I think it's a missed opportunity. But at least then, you. the only time you're disappointed in life is when you set expectations and underperform. That's it. And they set expectations by calling it Hoosier Hysteria, by billing it as a big event, by saying what it's, you know, by trying to get people to come and make it a, a big, big kickoff. They set an expectation and they underperform it. Or choose the third, which is don't do it. But if you're gonna do option A, you better step it up next year. And so that set me in a terrible mood. (laughs) For the football game. Oh boy. Now you did not watch it, correct? You were working?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I was doing that thing where I was on radio silence and I knew the, the game would be over or virtually over by the time I got home. But I saw I was well over 200 text messages by the time we were wrapping up and I was trying to look through them without seeing, you know, what the latest one said, while also seeing if I needed to pick up food from my family on the way home. And, you know, there's just a couple key ad- adjectives. I believe pathetic was one I saw uh, that I was like... And look, I, I did not expect to win in Happy Valley. But then once it kind of got spoiled for me and I saw we didn't score any points at all, like none, like ever, the whole game, for the first time in, what, 21 years?
2: It was like 216 games or 260 games or something like that?
0: That's That's where... I was like, I'm going to keep it on my DVR and maybe I will bust through it. But then I got home and I went ahead and just kind of started scanning through all my friends' commentaries, you and the goons and some other guys. And I'm like, I'm tired. I gotta gotta get up early. I got an early call time tomorrow.
2: I'm not gonna watch any of this. This is gonna be terrible. It it was terrible. And um, look, I am going to actually stay optimistic here. And I'm going to focus on the, this narrative. We have played three top five teams in the country. Yeah. Three. yeah. Two of them on the road. And Cincinnati, who's been a, a, a perennial pro, top program for the last several years now. and And the Cincinnati game, we shot ourselves in the foot. We should have won that game. We just should have won that game, and we didn't. But we did compete in that game, and we were there. And had we not fourth and one, turnover on downs in the red zone, interception in the end zone, turnover in the red zone, Uh, fumble on the five yard line. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I was there. You don't have to tell. It was it was terrible.
2: (laughs) But my point is that like we more than competed and had a chance to win that game. These two other games on the road, we didn't. And let's just be totally honest here. Those teams are better than us. And we did this last year when we got all excited. But let's not forget the talent disparity. There is a huge talent disparity between Penn State and us. And I looked at Iowa real quickly just at a glance. Iowa in the 2021 class. Now granted, I know that many of those are freshmen and they're not playing, but just looking at the talent level. Indiana, I think, had two four-stars commit to us this year for this class. They had seven. So there's a talent disparity between us and the top level. So do I want to compete against them? Of course. Do I more and more think, going back to our older argument, that something was funky in the water last year and that that COVID and no fans affected some things, affected the top teams more than it affected the middle teams and bottom teams? Could be. But I'm looking at Michigan State game in two weeks, and I know they're ranked 11th now. They're 5-0. out. <laughs> I know. But, Ward, we should absolutely be in position to beat a Michigan State based on what we have, who we had coming back, what we did last year. And I actually think that game is more telling than these three top five teams that we've played against. Definitely more than Iowa on the road and Penn State on the road where they waxed us. So I am going to remain optimistic. Our recruiting is better. We're not going to see the fruits of that labor, though, for a couple years. That's the truth. Right. We just aren't. Football does not is not freshman dominated. The players that we were able to get because of the run last year are really 2022 players. So we're not going to see them perform till 2023, 24. I'm with you on this, and I, I I agree.
0: I think we knew going through this early gauntlet. You know, if we could win one of those three, it would be uh, good. If we won two of three, we'd be like, well, that's amazing. Unfortunately, I think, you know, the optics are what we're talking about is 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 building a monster. And everything that happened last year, we we started to see the the recruiting fruits. Right. Like, oh, people were taking notice of us across the country. We're a great story. People want to be a part of this rising tide. And so this is for all the reasons you laid out it's not some sort of indictment of us oh my god we're a terrible team now because we lost to three top 5 teams in our first five games it, yeah it's that outside of it if you're not really looking at it closely we it just it it makes coach tom allen and the other coaches job that much harder to convince the next recruiting class and the next recruiting class that this is continuing to go in the right direction.
2: I totally agree with you. And that's why a game against Michigan State is all important. It really is. These games coming up against the teams that aren't the top teams, even Michigan is really good this year, apparently. Like, we have to win those games. We have to win those games.
0: Because I think we all reset our expectations last year. To an su- absurd degree. Like this, we're, we're totally. a top 15 program now because our coach is so good and our players play such inspired football that until our talent catches up, we're just going to win on on sheer LEO. Okay? And then after we stack like 3 recruiting classes and our talent is on par with some of those teams now we're a top 10 team now we're really going to be in the conversation for the 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 playoffs year in and year out here's where we're going and and now i'm just kind of be like okay all right um let's throttle it back and still look at can we can we get in the next 5 years into the place where we can count on being a top 25 program. Can we know we're going to make it to a bowl game without having to have a bunch of uh, patty cake games early on to pad the schedule? Um, so, and and I am still optimistic about that because of Coach Tom Allen and the fact that even against a top 10 Cincinnati team, were it not for self-inflicted wounds, we would have won that game, and and it would be a very different outlook right now, honestly.
2: 100 percent look i i do think it is fair to critique um it, i'm not even gonna say critique it is just sad what happened to michael pennix i mean and i don't know if it's him and the injuries that i mean the guy is now injured again you know i mean he only came out of the game because he was injured and they've said that surgery is not going to happen right now but they're mm-hmm. not totally ruling it out but he is not the starter right now. Jack Tuttle, he, Tom Allen announced in his press conference today, Jack Tuttle's the starter. Donovan McCulley is the number two. And who knows how long that'll be. My guess is it's the rest of the year. And then the question is just, is the Michael Penix era over? I will say this. Six of Michael Penix's 11 games that he has played in the last two years, his completion percentage is under 53%. That's not good. That's terrible. It's not even mediocre. It's really bad. And he's made poor decisions this whole season. I do think it's fair to say, is this where LEO has to get checked a little bit by do your job? And is the emotional part of LEO, did that prevent coach Allen from really taking a hard look after that um, Cincinnati game and just saying, he's not it. And we've got a game against Western Kentucky. Let's get Tuttle in there and let's have Tuttle get the reps against a team that doesn't have a good defense that hopefully we should win so that it could springboard us into the future. Because see, it's I very clear that Penix is not the answer. I uh,
0: see it. I think it, that is a really hard thing for us to sit here and speculate on because we're not seeing them every day in practice. So there's that. And then when you also say like he had to come back from another injury again and – I think when you're talking about reps, even at the professional level, they talk like reps are so important. And then you also have to talk about ceiling. What is the ceiling? And if the coaches who are seeing these reps every single day, seeing the skill sets, the talent, the ability, and they've got to measure this like, okay, we could maybe get something a little more consistent, out of option B but if we get option A the reps and they can get back towards their ceiling the ceiling for the whole team especially at the quarterback position is really elevated and and that's that's why you get paid millions of dollars to be a Big Ten coach is because you have to make those difficult decisions between maybe something a little more conservative that maybe is going to not lose you games and therefore you'll win a couple more but from I mean look maybe the injury bug is going is clearly making the the decision much easier right now totally. but totally. early on coming off a, a an injury like Penix did I think they've got to be like well well look we've we've got to give him as much possible runway to show us he can get back to that special player. You know, that he just had this fair. special thing, you know, and there were people outside of IU talking about Penix as a potential NFL talent. And and look, we all know there's so many players out there with so much talent that just never came to fruition, whether it be for uh, injuries or, or something else. Bad decision making or just a lack of commitment. And I'm not saying any of that is specific
2: to no. Penix. Well, the decision making is. I mean, yeah. his problem has clearly been decision making. I mean, he, he has made the wrong decision. He had a really good play where we were down 14, nothing. And he threw a big pass. It might've been to Ty Frye I can't remember exactly. The next pass, he throws an interception on a terrible decision. And it was like, that, that's why I thought like, I get what you're saying about practice and you're absolutely right. But in the end, all that matters is results. And football is a short season. It is a short season. And here's the truth, Ward that defense against Penn State played well enough for us to have a chance to win that game 20,
0: 24 points on the road against the top four team is respectable and it
2: was 14 nothing and 14 nothing multiple drives for us where we had a chance you score a touchdown it's a one possession game yeah like the defense played well enough without Ty Mullen by the way he what was happened injured. to him he was injured he didn't play he, he was didn't even last dress? minute scratch no last minute scratch. So, but now we have a bye week, so hopefully he'll be back. But without Ty Mullen, we st- like we played well enough defensively to have a chance to win that game. The offense is abysmal. I mean, the offense is just uncreative. It's just bad. And I don't know if it's Sheridan or the talent, Ty Freifogel's dropping passes that he didn't last year. Just no one is playing great. And now we're going to see, with Jack Tuttle in there, uh, does the floor get raised, if right. you will, you know, yeah. and
0: that's the um, other side of the ceiling argument, right? And, and I think it's it's one where, uh, th- again, he he got he got some reps live game action reps last season, and now he's going to have all week to get in there with the first team or two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. That okay? Now now now, Jack. Because how many years of eligibility does
2: Tuttle have left? Seventeen. I think I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, Cause I he bounced
0: like... around so much. I'm not sure where his eligibility is at know.
2: football eligibility. I just don't even get anymore. like, and then the extra COVID year. Like I don't understand any of it, yeah. but I don't think he's a senior this year. And then we have this like stud athlete, Donovan McCully, who is underneath him, who people have raved about his athletic ability. We'll see what, what he becomes. I, I do think Penix's lack of athleticism really hurt us. Um, Yeah, and and look, there's just a lot of things that aren't going well for the football program, but I'm not going to give up hope. I do think the Michigan State game is more important. The Cincinnati game was extremely important. It really was. Losing to Iowa and losing to Penn State on the road, you can almost predict that that was going to happen. Losing to Cincinnati at home, while not a shock, we had the game and we pissed it away. But Michigan State is a team that I don't think so outmatches us from a talent perspective. We played them last year, right, and smoked them. Yeah. And, like, it's only been a year. We've got the same team back. Granted, Penix may be out, but I want to see, see what we do in that game. And I'm still more excited about Indiana football than I ever have been. So I'm going to continue on that road and still believe in Elio and still believe that Tom Allen's – recruiting successes, we are going to see the fruits of those labors in the future. I just think we all got so tied up, like you said, in that narrative last year, Ward, that we forgot that the real tangible effect of that run is not seen this year. And I think we just kind of all forgot about that. Because we got so enamored by the results last year that we thought, like you said, well, we're going to keep carrying those over, and then when the infusion of talent comes, you're on. You're the top team in the country. <laughs> yeah. And I, oh, I, yeah. Things- I'm sure
0: we said that exact thing yes.
2: on air. Uh, I just think it's harder than that. So, um, look, we're getting closer on the Noah Clowney recruitment. Uh, The word is that it still gets wrapped up in October. He didn't make his visit to Alabama, which was set to be his last visit. So I think there's some uh, just unclear information about whether or not he is going to take that last visit. Indiana is trying hard to get him to come back to Indiana for a football game weekend, Um, you know, just to have him around students because he wasn't last time. Yeah. And so I I think that could be uh, important and we'll see what happens. Actually, I think he was around some students last time. But he wasn't around a big event. He wasn't around a big event. So uh, I'm still excited. November 6th is a month away, a month and one day away. We can't make the announcement yet, but please mark your calendars. We think it's going to be worthwhile for you. And November 9th is the beginning of the basketball season, Ward. We are like a month away.
0: Yeah, it, it's it kind of hit me. When, you know, Hoosier hysteria came and I, and I didn't get to see it and get enraged by it like yeah. you only hearing about it. Does it sort of upset me? But the what I, I did get to see was Woody and Zeke out on the court together. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we could take a positive from it, if I'm a recruit who's just kind of casually going through my Instagram and I'm seeing uh, a really warm, genuine moment of Zeke and woody out on assembly hall uh floor together branch mccracken court and just giving each other like hey man here we are like this is home this is the place we had some amazing times here before and and good times are back and and i think uh uh, i could not feel more passionately about your passion of the potential of the event but as a casual glance it's like man that's really cool and and while, while football, you know, we're getting into these games and there's there's been many hours of evidence of, well, okay, uh, this isn't what we hoped it would be this year. As far as I'm concerned, in basketball, we are going to the Final Four this yeah,
2: year. Sure,
0: sure. And, I, boy, I'm going to believe that until I'm given really strong evidence not to. And, yeah, it's a month when you consider, oh, when was the last time I feel like the last time you and I were like super excited about Indiana basketball was the Marquette game.
2: You know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. No. When we were the number one team in the country, going into that offseason. No, no, no. no
0: y- Marquette game was much more recent than that.
2: Oh, oh, you're to, I'm sorry. I, for some reason I was conflating the Marquette game with Vegas. I was thinking Vegas. Is oh God, you, no, no. Oh, the Marquette game when Fitzner went off. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. No, like yeah.
0: you, you were over here and we we're like, yeah, Oh yeah. my God, we're an awesome team. Yeah. Oh my
2: God. The ball goes in all the time. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And it's kind of was a, just a steady decline from there until the announcement of coach Woody being hired. So, I am just going to continue to be absurdly optimistic for the next month, and I
2: hope that
0: isn't diminished once the games are actually started uh, and the
2: ball's rolled out there. I'm with you, but I got to tell you, there's another reason why I'm really excited about what's about to come. We've got one of the best teams in the country at what they do playing at Assembly Hall, what, 16 times this year, 15, 16 times, and that's the IU women's basketball team. For the first time ever, they went to the Elite Eight. First time ever, they went to the Sweet 16. They were 16-2 and two in the Big Ten, Ward, and they finished second to Maryland. One game against Maryland decided the Big Ten Championship. And we're bringing virtually everyone back. We've got Grace Berger, we've got Allie Patberg, we've got our guest today, and we've got some freshmen filling in. We've got Nicole Cardano-Hillary, and we've got Alexa Kulbe. Like. This is one of the best teams in the country, Ward, coming back to Indiana. And I am so excited to watch those games with my girls. I'm excited to go back to Indiana and see a game. And one of the biggest reasons is to watch our guest today play because she can ball. Let's let's talk to her now
0: because it's just been you and me talking for a long time. So Well –
2: but we are, pow- we are, you know, we are, uh, what, what we are, what the reason we're able to do this is because we are, we are what powered by pigs, 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 There you go. Had to get that out. Uh, I I also want to make clear we talked to this uh, young woman before Hoosier hysteria, where by the way she did win the skills competition with her partner Rob Finnessy. so uh, congrats to her. But we we talked to her before it, and and she was obviously looking forward to the event. Wouldn't I would love to know what her opinion is on the event, but we'll leave that to us and let the players not have to uh, crap all over the school that put on the event, but. You and I have been excited to talk to her for a long time. We've had the pleasure of meeting her in person. Well, and And,
0: as fun as as she is to watch play, she's equally as fun to talk to. She's just just a fun human being.
2: Let's have at it. Here comes a guest.
0: Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the part of the show where Eric introduces the guests and lists all of their accomplishments. So I hope you're comfortable. You have a beverage and you don't have anywhere to go because this is going to take a little while. Go ahead, Eric.
2: Hailing from, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, Gorham, Maine. Boom. Home to the world famous Gorham house of pizza.
1: Yes.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) We are talking to A young woman who in her senior year at Gorham High School averaged 30.1 points a game, 16.7 rebounds, 3.9 blocks, 2.9 steals, and did it at a clip of 63.1% from the field. She won two state championships in her time in high school, although I'm sure she's going to feel a little salty about her last couple years where they just came up oh so short. She did take the team to a runner-up finish, and a regional semifinal appearance in her last two years. She's a four-time first-team All-SMAA selection, three-time SMAA Player of the Year, selected twice to the All-Defensive team. She was a five-star prospect, ranked 53rd in the country. She was the 2019 Gatorade Main Player of the Year. She was an Associated Press All-American Honorable Mention in 2021 for Indiana University, the first ever in the history of the Indiana University women's basketball program. She helped lead the team to the NCAA I'm sorry, she made the NCAA all-regional team in 2021. She was all Big Ten first team, coaches and media in 2021. All Big Ten defensive team, 2021. Big Ten player of the week, academic All-Big Ten. Big Ten distinguished scholar. Big Ten all-freshman team as a freshman. Big Ten freshman of the week three times in her freshman year. This most recent year, she led the team in scoring. She led the team in rebounding. She led the team in blocks. She is, by the way, her 3.0 blocks per game was second all time in a season at IU. She was seventh in the NCAA this year in blocks. She led the team in field goal percentage, 60.7%. At Indiana, that's fourth all time. You know who's second all time? Her! Two of the top four. (laughs) She had seven double-doubles this year, 20 or more points 10 times. She helped lead the Indiana women's basketball team to its first ever Sweet 16 appearance, its first ever Elite Eight appearance, and she's coming back for more. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to already one of the all-time greats at Indiana University women's basketball. Please welcome Mackenzie Holmes.
1: Thank you guys for having me today. I'm super excited to be talking with you guys and yeah.
2: Well, I am out of breath from doing all that. Uh, First off, before we start, we like to pretend that we're really good friends with the people that we have conversations with. Your name is Mackenzie. We know some people call you Mac as a nickname. Can we, as your best friends, call you Mac? Of course. Boom. 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 (laughs) So real quick, when you hear all those accomplishments and you're still really young, like you're not even of legal drinking age yet, I don't think. Right?
1: I'm funny, yeah.
2: I mean, when you hear all of those things in your already accomplished career yet young and early career, what stands out to you the most that you, you think back already on most fondly? Uh,
1: so you're asking like, what is the most memorable or what do yeah, I Yeah,
2: sure, what sticks out to you?
1: Um, I think just what we were able to accomplish last year. Um, yeah. The Elite Eight was insane. I got my shirt.
2: Nice. Um, nice. That,
1: was, that was unlike any experience, especially because last year was so hard with COVID. Um, we had to sacrifice a lot. Um, and there was a lot that went on behind the scenes with like testing and isolation. So just being able to accomplish that was incredible. And um, like Coach Morin has just done so much for the program. So it was nice to be able to to help her get to that
0: point but now you did win two state championships in high school and we know the the main high school basketball doesn't get quite the same hype as indiana does because we're indiana people but that's a huge deal in maine particularly you know your hometown's basketball crazy are you saying the elite eight run is more memorable to you than the two high school state championships
1: it's hard to compare them because um, it, I mean, I won my two state championships like a really long time ago. Like I, <laughs> I was 15 when I won the first one and 16 when I won the second one. So that was four and five years ago.
2: Yeah. Guess what? Mac? Um, that the, is not a long time ago. That is al- not
0: a long time it's ago. No Yesterday, it's relative. That was that- one fourth of her life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that the most memorable thing about that run, my two state championship run, was that we were forty two and zero or something like that. So yeah. that was incredible in itself. And I had a lot of our team was stacked. Like, Maine basketball is on the rise, but we had four, three girls on our starting five that were Division one players, which literally never happens in Maine. So like, we were really good. Like, teams would like get mad if our head coach was playing our starters in the third quarter because we were just smacking teams by halftime. So that was very memorable, but I think because last year was so recent, it's still like I still think about it um, all the time because it was so it just it, it feels like it just happened.
2: Matt, you you mentioned this and we've heard this from other people too about last year. the the sacrifices you had to make and how tough it was. Can you give us a little peek inside for those of us that were on the outside and all we knew was that games were being played and obviously there were no fans, but we didn't really have a a sense of what it was like going through that. What were some of the changes to your like daily life that that did make it just a a difficult season?
1: Yeah, I mean, for one, I didn't go home from August until April. So that was a really long time for me not yeah. to go home and then like when my family would my my dad would come and fly and watch my games but I couldn't see him mm-hmm. so like <laughs> this is funny but I can laugh about it now but in the moment it was pretty sad but like he would come to my games he'd pick me up dinner drop it off at my door and I would like wave to him from his car
0: Oof. Wow.
1: so like I wouldn't like actually like I didn't hug any of my parents for months but i saw them like my dad came to some of the all the games that he could come to because of covid restrictions but i couldn't actually like have a face to face conversation with him like without masks, without being socially distant so that was that was hard and we couldn't go home for christmas which was took a toll on a lot of us um game cancellations took a toll on a lot of us and i think just i mean we did school from where i'm sitting right now so we'd be in our apartments and then we'd go over to cook and then we'd come back to our apartments and it was, it was just a lot of repetitiveness. And we tested every morning too, which was, which had its own stressors because, you know, you never want to test positive, of course. So every time going in, even though, you know, you you didn't like come in contact with anybody with COVID, there was still that thought in the back of your mind. I was like, what if I test positive right now? Um, But yeah, there was a lot.
0: (laughs) With all that monotony, and isolation i'd imagine it could take it one of two ways with you and your teammates you 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 get sick of each other and drive each other crazy or you grow closer can you can you describe how you as a team reacted to this hopefully once in a lifetime scenario
1: yeah i think that we handled it very well um given our circumstances um you know, it kind of was like a couple stages, like the first stage was like, I cannot believe we can't go home for Christmas. Like as much as I love you guys, like Christmas, you should be with family. But then we kind of realized, okay, like how how, what can we do together to make this the best Christmas ever or the best Thanksgiving ever? So we just really like rallied together. Some people, you know, had a really tough time with it. We gave them more support. We, our coaches did a great job. Creating activities for us. We had a team dinner on Christmas. Um, we did gift exchange, Yankee swap. So, like, we kept ourselves busy, which was really good. Um, but I say that we grew like super close as a team because we all we had was each other. So, all, all of us knew what we were going through. So, it kind of helped us um, kind of cope with what we were dealing with. But I say that we grew closer because, and that was probably evident on the floor because. I felt like as a team, we just had such great chemistry last year. Um, but I think that had a lot to do with it.
2: Well, we want to get to your whole story. But before we do, we've got to just talk about where you are right now. The season is imminently approaching. Uh, saw some good videos that were put out. You guys having fun getting in the uniforms, team pictures. Um, how, how do you feel, uh, you know, where the team is at? You're bringing back the, the the majority of, of the people that were the the primary players last year, obviously yourself, Grace, Allie, Nicole, like a lot of players returning. You've got some new additions. How does the team look? How you feeling?
1: Um, I feel great. Another thing that has been really nice this year is we don't have this extended preseason we had last year. Cause we had like a nine week preseason last year, which I love Kevin. You guys know Kevin, um, but <laughs> we, Court sprints in Versa with him for nine weeks was a was hard and nine
2: weeks, ninety yeah. seconds is too much doing Versa.
1: We had to do um we had to do a lot to stay in shape and Kev did a great job keeping us in shape when we couldn't be on the court. So that was difficult in itself because when it gets around, to, you know, the end of September, you're ready to go, you're ready to start practice. So last year we didn't get that opportunity. So this year I think we're all really excited to kind of flow into things and um, I, I think that we have a lot of great new additions to our team and I think we're just building, continuing to build off of what we did last year and kind of hit the ground running because the, the freshmen, the transfers we have have kind of flowed into things pretty seamlessly, quite honestly. And, um, I think it's going to be great when we start practice.
0: What is something you've been working on in the off season with your game individually that you want us as fans to see this year on the court and be like, Oh, max adding to the repertoire.
1: Um, I think that the ongoing struggle for me will always be my shot, my jump shot, my 15 foot three point range shooting. Um, I, I work on it, believe it or not, I work on it every day, but somehow I'm still throwing up bricks during games, but, (laughs) um, but I think just last year was more getting comfortable shooting that like 17 to three point range. And then this year I'm really focusing on doing it in at game speed and in game time situations. So that's what, that's what I'm working on. I can't promise it's gonna show on the court, but that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and I then, mean, you,
2: know, you were an all American without it. So, <laughs> I mean, let's but, not go crazy here. By but, the way, yeah. I did read, didn't you shoot 38% from three in high school?
1: Yeah, I, I did shoot. But then my freshman year of college, I didn't shoot. Like, I stepped behind the arc once. Right. And so I kind of. Um, how
2: much of it, Mac, is, how much of it is, we, we've heard this a lot on the on the men's side with, like, Trace Jackson Davis. We hear, like, the guy's awesome in the post. You know, he finishes at the rim. And we hear that in practice he makes shots. But something in the game changes it. How much is it mechanics and just the skill and how much of it for you is confidence
1: it's it's probably i would say like 99 percent in my head um because i i rep threes every day um so i i think it's just confidence and stepping up and knocking down shots a lot of it has to do with confidence um so yeah i think in my head i don't like missing which is why
2: um, (laughs) why your field goal percentage is like a hundred
1: yeah, so like if I if I don't think it's a high percentage shot, then it's it's a struggle for me to shoot it. Um, so I think just kind of forget like knowing like it's okay to miss in my brain, like telling myself that is half half of the struggle. And then um, yeah, because I put in the work to to do it. It's just my brain's telling myself that it's okay to miss sometimes.
0: <laughs> now speaking of Trace, uh, your your fellow All American there. Has he or anybody around him approached you about this novel concept of using both hands when finishing around the rim? Would you be able to maybe impart some insight on Trace on how helpful that can be?
1: Um, no, I haven't really talked to Trace much about our post games. Um, <laughs> his success speaks for itself, so I don't feel right, um,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> stepping on that because he had a lot of success too with, you know, what he's done. Um, So we've never talked about it, but you'd be surprised how many people talk about us together, but we've never said a word about um, our games to each other. That's funny.
2: I do have a a follow-up question to this. That is the first time we've ever asked this question of anyone on the show, but because of what Ward just said, it's apropos. Are you left-handed or (laughs) right-handed?
1: I am a righty.
2: But you seem to go to the left more yes. than you go to the right. Is that fair?
1: That, yeah, I definitely would prefer to shoot with, like layups and around the rim. I'd 100% prefer to shoot with my left hand. Like, people will always joke on my team, like I'll give up a right-handed layup for a left-handed spin move. Um, <laughs> but that's just—I don't know. I—it's literally been like that for me since I was like in fifth grade. I think we had a game and I like dribbled. with my right and then spun back to my left my dad's like where did you learn that I was like I don't know and then it just kind of stuck and it's something I just kept doing and I don't know why but when my brother and I were little my dad would take us to the gym together and my brother could not make a left-handed layup and and then my dad's like you try it and it was like just like easy for me like I didn't really understand the difference I was like eight years old and my dad was like, yeah, that's a little different because um, <laughs> my brother couldn't make it being two years older than me. But it's just always been a natural thing to shoot with my left hand. I don't know but, why.
0: But that's just down low, right? Anytime Like free throws, of course, or anything outside is is right. So yeah. I'm wondering, are you maybe kind of in the ambidextrous zone a little bit? Or me, I found out on this show from talking to another player that I'm cross-dominant. Like, I dribble way better left, and I shoot right. I'm actually terrible at both, yeah. but that's how it divvies up for me.
1: Um, I might be cross-dominant. I don't know, uh, because I'm better shooting with my left hand, but, you know, dri- er, shooting with my right hand Finishing with my left hand, but like there are some things I do with my left hand, like everyday life, like I eat with my left hand, but uh-huh. I'm like,
2: right yeah. You're cross dominant. Yep.
0: Welcome to the club, my friend.
1: I'm diagnosed. Thank you guys for that. You're a much
2: more successful version of cross dominant than Ward. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we take a, a step into the time machine to go way back to five years ago. Um, I am curious, every team uh, that we've had the privilege of talking to members of talks about goals and expectations that they they have for themselves and they set for themselves. What are coming off of an elite eight year where you finish second in the Big 10 and, and go I think 16 and two in the Big 10, which is pretty amazing, it, it's staggering. What are your team's expectations and goals and do you articulate them together?
1: Yeah. Um... I think that like coach Warren has talked a lot about saying like what happened last year is done. It does not matter coming into this year. Um, What we, what we did last year was amazing and it was incredible, but we have to set our sights much higher for next year. So I think just um, winning the big 10 is huge for us. It's a huge goal that we have, but not looking too far ahead either is also huge for us Um, taking it one game at a time because As soon as you, the Big Ten is such a good conference. As soon as you overlook a team, you're gonna get beat by them. That's just how it goes because every team is really good in the Big Ten. So um, I don't think that we look too far ahead on goals, but um, we always keep them in the back of our minds whenever we're in practice or in the weight room, whatever we're repping. Um, But I think we know that we're gonna have a target on our back this year, especially um, going into non-conference in the Big Ten. So just embracing that um but not you know letting it get to our head which it never does our our team is very focused and um we always have a chip on our shoulder so i think that that's that works um in our favor but yeah
0: let me ask though just between us girls (laughs) anything less than a national championship every person on that team will be disappointed 100%
1: yeah I mean we that's where we have our sights set every year like every you know some people might have been surprised with how we did this year um in the Elite Eight but like we wanted to go to the national championship last year and we were super close but like this is an expectation like we're gonna be disappointed with anything less than a national championship and that's just um, um in how much competitive drive we have so it's it's really just um you know winning a national championship is just what we what we set our sights on because we know we can get there and we have the pieces to get there you
2: you talked a little bit about your high school team being so stacked uh and three players going on to division one scholarships you're on a team in college that is stacked too and you play alongside and this isn't to denigrate anybody but you play alongside grace berger and ali patberg who are two other all-time greats already at indiana university and two of the best players in in all of women's college basketball. Uh, how much fun is it to play alongside two people that are as driven and competitive as you are and as talented? How much does that help you raise your own game?
1: Oh, they they make me better every day because um, I've learned so much from them, just the way they carry themselves, the way um, they work out, the way they attack whatever they're doing, whether it's extra shooting or during practice. so I've learned a lot from Allie and Grace both. Um, they're great leaders too. They are always pushing other people around them. So it's been a blessing to learn from them and not only them too, but uh, Brenna Wise I had yes. when I was a freshman. So she's an incredible person on and off the court, but they've kind of just set the, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for, they set the standard of what our culture is. And that's just, continuous work and coming into college. Like I learned that right away and I picked up on it. Um, so they have been extremely helpful in um, my progress as a player and person here.
0: One thing we noted on the show was when we came back for the ill-fated Cincinnati football game, we came over to, to see your coach, to see Kevin at the tailgate, you know, mm-hmm. outside cook hall. Let's, let's go see the the women's team and say hi, but Boy, you guys weren't anywhere. We're like, where are they off at? You know, some wild party off campus, and no, you guys all forego a tailgate, a, maybe the biggest tailgate uh, in Bloomington in the last 20 years, to get up more shots. Like, what, what, what does that, what does that say about what this culture is now? And and is Coach Moore in slacking because she's out there hanging out with us?
1: um yeah actually they were like are you guys actually going to shoot right now we're like yeah um they're like you know you can be a normal college student for a day and we're like "Eh, like we like it's it's something that's like we don't even have to say it to each other like we already know what we have for goals and we know what we have to do to get there so it's like it doesn't we don't even need to talk about it like we knew Friday we were going to come in Saturday morning to shoot and that's just how we do things that's just what we do um so I feel like it's gotten to the point where like we don't even need to communicate that with each other we just know that that's the standard and I think when people or when new girls come in they kind of follow suit as well which has been really cool to see like they first get there and then they see like we asked when we were recruiting you and we told you we are literally in the gym every day we are in the gym every day like that's that's just how that's just how it goes and um they come in they see that and they they do it as well so it's it's really cool to see the culture that coach moran has built just around the principle of work and we take it really seriously
2: do the work right
1: yes hashtag do the work and yet go
0: you have fun with it, don't you? Like there was a five minutes you mic'd up during a practice that came out a while back. And and I don't know if you were putting it on a little bit for the mic, but it just seems like as competitive as you are out there and as supportive uh, and encouraging as you are with your teammates, you're having a good time. You're coming up with nicknames. You're singing Bon Jovi. Is that is that important for you to keep things fun?
1: I mean, yeah, I think that... Um... If you're not having fun doing it then you're you're not gonna enjoy yourself and if you're not if you're not trying to make light of situations like because the season's long, three hour practices are long, and it's not always going to be easy. but if you bring some source of energy to practice, practice is going to be more fun. It's going to go by quicker like there's nothing worse than a silent gym during practice. It's just draining and uh, just sad and it's not a great environment to be in so I mean you might have heard coach Warren say like bring the juice and yeah useless, you're useless like it's true because in a three-hour practice if you don't have juice it's gonna be it's gonna feel like six hours so I just try to stay high and um, you know lift people up when they need it but I have a lot I love basketball and I'm very passionate about it so it kind of makes it a little bit easier but
2: yeah all right let's jump in the time machine let's go back to Gorham Maine uh I was struck by the kind of synchronicity of the fact that the population of Gorham Maine is almost exactly the capacity of assembly hall uh which I thought was interesting <laughs> it's about like 17,900 people in Gorham Maine uh and and like Ward said and we read about a basketball-crazed hometown. Uh, Tell us about growing up in in Gorham, and and also uh, you gave us a little bit about your dad and your brother, but how the game of basketball found you or vice versa.
1: Yeah, so both of my parents coached at the high school level. My dad coached at the college level um, back home in Maine, so I grew up around it with a basketball in my hand. Like, I was four years old going to practices watching practices so it's always been something that um I've been around and I, I just remember always wanting to go and jump into practices like I remember always just wanting to like pop in but I obviously was like 5 so and was like high schooler so it was not I was not going to happen but um I was just always around it and then um my dad and my mom also ran an AU program in Maine um, called main hoops, and so I started playing main hoops. I think as soon as I was able to, like maybe first or second grade, I was hopping in with older girls and and just playing and um, and yeah. I I think that my parents had a huge influence on um, just growing up around the game and making me fall in love with it but also not putting too much pressure on me either I don't think there was ever a time where they forced me into it because I did try other sports I played soccer and softball and I did well I say I did track but I threw I did all the short sprints so they could be over quickly um <laughs> but um I've played other sports and I just remember like hating it and I always just wanted to be on a basketball court so I think I think eighth grade is when I gave up all my other sports and focused strictly on basketball. Uh,
0: was the, was there already a precedent of good basketball teams in your hometown, or did, did you and your class kind of bring that into its glory days?
1: Yeah. Um, in Gorham, I don't think that they won too many state championships before – um before I got to high school um there was like a private school uh Catholic school in Maine that had won like I want to say like probably eight of the last 10 um Mm -hmm. that was really good so um they were kind of the powerhouse back home but I just remember always going to well so I don't know I didn't realize that this wasn't a thing in Indiana but like in February we have like a February break and it's just like this random week in February that we have off completely
2: yeah that's and like amazing. That's, that's when, amazing our, like, shit. That's when amazing. our
1: high school that's when our high school tournaments held so like during february break i just literally sat at um it's called the civic center or the expo where the the main uh celtics play it's like the g league version of the celtics right. but they there are just games going on there all day so i would just sit and watch and watch people cut down nets and just dream to be there when I got to high school. So, and even when I was in high school, I was still over there every time we didn't have games, but it was a huge thing um, when I was in high school or it still is, but.
2: Now, growing up in Maine, besides basketball, lobster, that's a big deal. Are you a crazy lobster person? Where does crab come into it? Are we lobster or crab? Ooh, she's she's grimacing.
1: they're not, even comparable. <laughs> They're not even comparable. Like, crab and lobster are not are not comparable. All right. They don't make imitation lobster meat. Mm. They make imitation crab meat. You can't... Lobster is... But I have never tried lobster here. I refuse to try lobster here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how long that's been sitting in some truck. I don't know. I, it doesn't seem right to me, but lobster is honestly I didn't really start loving lobster until a few years back but it's so good and it's so fresh and if you love seafood I always tell people they have to go to Maine because I feel like people don't realize all the little hidden gems in Maine yeah
2: well now real quick though on the lobster roll do you go cold or warm
1: warm and Mayo and not butter, but my dad would kill me for saying that. Mm. Yeah,
2: I'm not into the mayo. I go, I like it just. I, I'll go, I go dry. To be honest with you, I don't like anything. But if I'm gonna pick, it's gonna be butter, not mayo.
0: Okay. Well, let let's keep going with. This is not a <laughs> hidden gem of Maine. I wonder in Indiana, growing up in high school, you have to read James Whitcomb Riley, Kurt Vonnegut. Is it just mandatory? You have to read Stephen King as a kid. No,
1: nope. <laughs> I, that would probably <laughs> give us nightmares. Um, <laughs> uh, no, honestly, uh, I think that's like I don't. I don't think I've ever read a Stephen King book. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, or seen any. Uh, I didn't see the It movie or anything like that. Oh. But he does have a house in Bangor that is supposedly haunted or something. Mm-hmm. It's sure. supposed to be creepy. I've never been. To it. Yeah.
2: All right, so let's, we talked a little bit about your high school, uh, obviously state championships, um, a stacked team. When did college recruiting start for you in earnest?
1: Um, I would say the beginning of my freshman year of high school, I started getting looks from, or letters just from schools, because obviously at that point they can't contact you. Um, And then my first offer was, I want to say like halfway through my freshman season from uh, who? University of New Hampshire.
2: Got it. All right. So somewhat geographical here, you were you were known in those parts?
1: Yeah, I had I had a like offers from most of the east coast schools um in Massachusetts and uh New Hampshire, just all those schools um showed interest. I didn't really start getting recruited by schools outside of New England until like my sophomore year um I think I had like two offers going into the AAU season of my sophomore year um and then at, at that point um it started to take off a little bit
2: did you have a school like as a kid that you were a fan of obviously you you'd had a basketball in your hand basically since you were born was there a program that you followed that you dreamed of playing for one day
1: um I mean I always watched UConn just because that was kind of that's only like two and a half hours away from me sure. and obviously they have incredible history uh i didn't watch women's college basketball when i was little but my brother was a crazy duke fan so i always would watch duke with him so i would say like
0: that's what i'm a little more biased towards
2: we have a little problem with your brother now yeah Just i i hope you've
0: <laughs> i hope you've straightened him out in his, yeah. all- but
1: he's all hoosier fans now yes good man
2: Good man. So yeah. I understand that there was. He's a
1: Hoosier.
2: Um, we love that he's a Hoosier fan. Now you've done a good job converting him and bringing him to the good guys side. But I understand that there was a, a bit of almost um, an accident how Indiana got into recruiting you. Can you walk through how the Indiana connection happened?
1: Yeah, um, I so I don't know if you guys remember Chanel Wilson. She played here for sure. two. Years. So Chanel, uh, I played Chanel's AU team. Um, this is in, like, Kentucky. It's, like, in a back gym. I don't even know how we got scheduled. To... Oh, I don't remember what it was, but they we were going into it, and it's like, yeah, this is the best AU team in the country. Um, we're like, oh, good. So that was Chanel's AU team. It had Brian Howard on it, who plays for Kentucky, who is uh, an AP, first female American. Yep. They had girls that went to Tennessee, West Virginia, like, all these schools. Um, And we were playing them and I think coach Rhett was there because Chanel was playing, but Chanel was hurt. So she wasn't actually playing. And Rhett's brother was at the game. um, Who's also a coach. So he was just there. And um, I played, I played pretty well that game. We got smacked. Like we, we, I think we scored like 20 points, the whole 27 points, something crazy like that. They smacked us. Um, But then I just kept seeing him like show up to my games and I was like, There's because I had never heard from him before, but I saw Brett at every game and I'm like, this is so weird. And then, um, after that AU tournament, I got a letter, and then yeah, so he he saw me at this random backcourt in Kentucky, (laughs) and
2: yeah, here I am. The only (laughs) good thing to ever come out of the state of Kentucky,
1: (laughs) Grace Berger.
2: Yes, yes, now, right.
0: Do talk a little bit about Coach Rhett for us because we've gotten to interact with him a bit. High energy guy, obviously crucial to getting you into our program. Can you talk about what he he does for the program and how important he is for what's going on there with Coach Moore and staff?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the thing about our coaching staff is every assistant coach is very involved. And Coach Rhett has played a huge role in my development since I've been here um and I think a lot of it too is like he he truly believes in me as a player which um which in college like you don't see coaches really form that close relationships with each of their players and I have a great relationship with each coach on the staff so Rhett is like he's extremely smart um he runs a lot of what we do on offense and the set plays is all, all all him a lot of the times and when we're playing a team and it's Rhett Scout like he knows the plays of the other team better than the the other team knows their own plays like they'll call out a play he'll be like she's setting a back screen she's curling like and the other coach is like what the heck like <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah uh coach Rhett's awesome um and He he yells and he gets you fired up and he's super passionate, which I love.
2: Um, Before we get into then you deciding to come to Indiana, look, a lot of your development has happened while at Indiana, but you clearly were kicking ass in high school. Where, and I've said this to you in person, where does your post game come from? I mean, you have the footwork, the post moves of... I mean, some of the greats of all time. I mean, I, I I don't remember watching any player, and I follow Indiana, obviously, men or women's. I don't remember somebody in the post as good as you when it comes to footwork, angles, getting your shot. Where does that come from, and how did you develop that?
1: Um, I like to be completely honest. Like, I never like practice post moves. If like. I'll work on, like, simple ones, like, up and under and stuff like that. But, like, Coach Rhett knows this. Like, I do the best when, like, I'm playing against live defense because I'm very, like, read and react type player. Sure. So, like, I'm never catching the ball in the post. I'm like, all right, I'm going to – I'm not going to do – I'm going to do an up and under this time. I'm going to spin this time. Like, it's all, like, for me, it's just, like, a read and react type thing. Um I don't know where it comes from. Um, I'm kind of clumsy. I'm not very agile, so I don't know like how I stay on my feet half the time. But <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just been something I've always um, had a little bit of a knack for is knowing where I am with my back to the basket.
0: Are you like a a film junkie? Are there other post players in the WNBA or NBA that you watched a lot growing up, or that you study their tape and maybe it just kind of sinks in?
1: This is going to sound bad, but I'm huge Megan Gustafson and Luka Garza fans.
2: Nice. Nice. There
1: is a, there's like a alignment there with the Iowa thing. I don't know. They've just had some really good post players, but um, I love watching Megan Gustafson play in college because I, she was really good at finishing both hands. Her footwork was great. Um, and then I love Luka Garza game. Um, I'm a huge Luca fan. I'm honestly kind of a fan girl. Um, But yeah, uh, his game, because it just, I would like to shoot the ball even a little bit as close as well as he can shoot the ball, but his game, because he's not the most athletic, he's not the quickest, but he's extremely efficient. And so I watched a lot of Luca film.
2: So it was happenstance that Indiana started recruiting you, but there's also another weird connection of your family to Indiana University and it involves your dad and one of his teams that he used to coach. Can you talk about that connection and, and how you found that out?
1: Yeah. So when I got a letter from there, um, I didn't really know much about IU in general, but my dad was like, Oh, I brought um, one of my high school teams to a Bobby Knight team camp. Uh, I don't know how many years ago they took a bus there from Maine all the way to Bloomington. Wow. Um, and he just said like, just, how well things were ran with Bobby Knight and he there was like this coaches clinic that was ran or something like that and some the managers brought in the wrong pizza and Bobby Knight like cussed him out and sent them all out and something (laughs) something crazy like that happened my dad was like man this guy is this guy is legit um I I wish I could remember the stories he told because Bobby said some pretty funny things too during it um but yeah he said it was super Super memorable, but um, that was the one random little connection that um, I have to IU.
2: <laughs> and what was your first, did you go on an official visit to Indiana?
1: Only an unofficial visit. I actually, my unofficial visit was Hoosier Hysteria when Romeo was on his official visit.
2: Oh, where they walked him across the court. Yep. And By I the all- way, NCAA violation. But anyway, <laughs> um
1: I actually didn't know that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was my unofficial visit. Um, and cause the way things were, when I was in high school is I couldn't take official visits until I had taken my SAT, my junior year. And I wanted to be done the recruiting process by that point. So I took, I only took one official and that was to hear after I'd already committed. Um,
2: what was it like when you, what, what was your impression of Bloomington and As- assembly hall?
1: It was insane. Um, I tell a lot of people this, but I was not ex- I was not planning on leaving New England to go to college. I wanted to stay close to home and my family. And um, I went on the visit and I was like, shoot, because I really liked it. And um, every other visit I went on, it was like me comparing it to Indiana. And at that point I was like, hmm, maybe I should just go to Indiana because <laughs> every single school to Indiana. Um, but yeah, I, I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. Um, and they just like, I just felt like so natural for me to be there. Um, but it was crazy. your Stereo was crazy and they were going crazy for Romeo. I got a picture with Romeo actually.
2: Really? <laughs> Well, you got to send, can you text it to me? Cause we'll put it up on the video podcast. Oh
1: no, it's actually like the worst picture. Yeah. I'll find it. It's really right, cool. the worst picture of me. My face is all red. I was so embarrassed,
2: but <laughs> now, no, go ahead work. But yeah, I'll send it. Great. Well,
0: I, I think, you know, you said you felt comfortable there. We all know Bloomington's beautiful assembly halls, impressive. So you make that choice. You're going to go to Indiana. You are frozen now. Are you with it? Oh, there she is. Um, but but now it's it's reality time. You do leave your family 1100 miles to a place that you've only spent a couple days before. What was the transition like from becoming, you know, this incredible high school player, the the star of your hometown and and now you got to come off the bench. What what's that transition like?
1: Um, it was definitely hard at first, especially I left to come here like two days after graduating high school. So I really had no transition time um, to really sink in that I was going to college. So I would say my first few weeks were hard, um, just getting adjusted to the college. And, you know, when I my first time with Kevin, I um, I looked probably worse than you guys did. Um, <laughs> like, whoa. Uh no um, chance, no chance.
2: <laughs> very unlikely <laughs> but, very unlikely
1: <laughs> oh no, I think it I think it was true but um it was just kind of adjusting to a whole different way of doing things and doing life and um it was hard at first and I think really once I understood my role on the team and I got adjusted to the style of play and um getting myself in better shape. I think that's when things started to go a little better for me, but it, it was definitely an adjustment um, for sure.
2: Yeah. It was a real tough adjustment. You scored 10.8 points a game and 5.2 rebounds and shot 63.4% from the field, which was a school record. Yeah. Tough adjustment. I'd like <laughs> to have those kind of tough adjustments. I, I, I do want to ask um this. <laughs> as much as you commit to a school and loving Indiana and loving the energy and loving, let's call it the juice that surrounds the Indiana program. Good juice. Uh, Good. What'd you say, Ward? Good juice, right? Good juice. You are also primarily committing to a coach. And in this case, it's coach Terry Morin who has quickly become one of Ward and my favorite people in the world. We just think the world of her and admire her and respect her. But what was it about Coach Morin that you um, connected with?
1: Um, I mean, just how easy she is to talk to, um, and you know she's hilarious. If you ever really get to talk to her, she's so funny. Um,
2: she's busted our balls like she, a few times.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, she she's funny. But just what she was able to accomplish in the short amount of time at that point, I think it was only her fourth year there. Yeah. Yep. So just what she had accomplished in that amount of time was really like, I was like, okay, like I want to be a part of this, but off the court too, like I can just sit in her office and we can talk about whatever. We we love the show, The Office. I don't know if you guys like The Office, but that's Coach Moore and I's favorite show. So like we'll be talking about the episode of The Office we watched last night or just just, Mac, just little things like that. And Mac, she's
0: super, what? just Just so you know, Mac, my dog is named Dundee. After the Dunder Mifflin awards,
1: <laughs> the Dundies. Wow, that's incredible. Does Coach Morin know that? I don't
0: believe that has come up. No. Need to tell her that needs be on. like the first thing you
2: say. I'm going to text her while we're on right now and put get me a, on get the a chain. live response here.
0: Put She's... me on the chain and I will text a picture of Dundee in response to yours. Okay, hold on. I actually took some glamour shots of Dundee yesterday, so this is real easy.
2: Okay, now she knows. All right, so we will get hopefully a live response. Um, so, so you you were saying that you just connected with her because just personally, it was such an easy person to talk to.
1: Yeah, she's just uh, just a great person. Like you talk to her, and um, she's funny. She's understanding. She's she she understands that it's not all basketball all the time. Like she knows when we've had a hard day, she, she's connected with us so that she understands what's going on in our lives so that she can really understand her players more, which I think is really special.
2: You know what's incredible about Coach Morin? And I, I don't know if you got to listen to the, the show that we did with her, but one of the things she talked about is that that was something that she wasn't good at early in her coaching career that she comes from a different time where you didn't have a relationship personally with the coach. And and she saw that that was changing and she needed to change with it. And and real, even in her beginning years at Indiana realized she needed to get better at that. And clearly she has figured out how to do that. That is an amazing just person to be able to be that self-reflective yeah. and change something like that. And clearly, it's genuine with her. Like we get to talk to her about you guys and the way she talks about her players. Like you are all her kids slash friends, you know, and, and, and yet also holds you accountable in a major way.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, I think sometimes players will be like, Oh, like my coach doesn't care about me or they'll, they'll say things like that. But I'm like, have you tried to go and talk to your coach? Have you tried to, you know, create a relationship with your coach? Because I feel like that's something that I've really tried to do is, you know, I'll walk up there and I'll go sit down in her office and talk to her. And I'll. it's a two-way street, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And um, and I feel like um, we've been able to build a relationship where, um, because when you build a relationship off the court, it just translates on the court. And I think we saw that last year with how close our team was. But um, yeah, I I think Coach Moore does a great job in caring for each of us as individuals. And I know she would literally run through a wall for any of us. And she's so confident in us and our team. And I think that shows in everything she does and how she talks about us and how she coaches us. And she's also very competitive too, which we share that in common.
2: Yeah.
0: And I wonder if you have a a unique ability to, to bridge that gap and to understand it from her side of things, because both your parents are basketball coaches.
1: Yeah, I, I know how hard it is to be a coach, and you're overlooking all these players, and you're also always looking ahead with recruiting. So it, things do get busy, and um, and I think just trying to, like you said, bridge that, that gap between um, not always putting it on the coach to be the one to create the relationship, but the, the players can take initiative too, which is what I've tried to do with the coaches.
2: Well, your career at Indiana starts with your big transition that was so tough. Your first game, you score 15 points and seven rebounds. Your second game, you go nine of nine from the field, score 22 points, and have five blocks. But then I really think like a watershed moment in the history of Indiana women's basketball happens. I think the the third or fourth game of your freshman year, where Indiana plays South Carolina – who is a top five team and one of the best programs in the country. And they've proven it year in and year out. And you guys beat them in, in a game that I think was the first time that an Indiana women's team beat a top five team in the history of the program. Beat them
0: down, really?
2: Yeah. 14 points,
0: number five team in the country.
2: That's, that's a big deal. It is 8.6 rebounds for you. What do you remember about uh, that game and, and kind of what that felt like?
1: Um, I mean, the coaches, I just remember being extremely feeling extremely prepared going into that game. I think coach box was the one who had the scout for that game. And he like, if you can be over prepared for something like we were so prepared for everything. We knew what this game meant. We knew that it was going to be a statement game for us. And we also believed and knew that we could beat them. Like, we weren't, we didn't go into that game like, oh, it, it's South Carolina. Like, we didn't have that mindset at all. We were ready, we felt so prepared to beat them because we knew we had the tools, but we also, like, we knew what we were doing defensively. We were just all on the same page um, because we knew no one thought we could beat them. We went into that game, obviously, an underdog. It was in Aliyah Boston, their post player's hometown in the Virgin Islands. So the entire place was there for her. Um, so we knew we had, um, a lot of things stacked against us, but we were so prepared and we really just rallied around each other. And, um, then it was, it was an incredible game, but we weren't surprised.
2: And then that leads right into, as sports do often, they giveth and they taketh away. And the next game you play Baylor, who arguably the best team in the country, mm-hmm. and they hand it to you in that game. But. Uh, by the way, not that long after that, you then play at number 21 Miami and win. But again, I think that this this year, even though Indiana had had success under Coach Moore and we won the women's NIT a couple years prior, but this was a time where we are now playing the best of the best on neutral courts or really road courts. Like you said, the Virgin Islands game might as well have been a home game for them. And you are competing and you are at their level. Um, is that what it felt like uh, from a team perspective, that we have arrived.
1: Um, I mean, I think that I never, I never feel like there was that like we have arrived moment because we were, we always feel like, I mean, every game we go into, we're always thinking that we're going to win, and that's just kind of the mindset that we have. Um, so we were, we were expecting to win against South Carolina. We were expecting to win against Baylor. All these games, we're expecting to win. Uh, I think the it was definitely hard turning around, not even 24 hours, going from playing the number five team in the country, to the number two team, I think they were. Um, but that, obviously, I think Coach Moran does such a great job setting up our non-conference schedules to be very difficult. No kidding. So we're prepared when the conference schedule comes around. Like, I think my freshman year we played uh, – South Carolina Baylor Miami UCLA like all these really great teams so that when conference play came around we weren't we weren't because we knew there was going to be no cakewalk in the big 10 there never is um so we were ready to go once conference play came around
2: and when it did come around you guys start great I mean and, and you're having big games 18 points off the bench against Michigan State in the Big Ten opener. Your team starts 14-2 and two overall. You hit a bump in the road where you lose three in a row, but then you come back. You did beat Purdue twice your freshman year, which I have to ask. We always ask. You're from Maine. You don't really get the IU-Purdue rivalry. Coach Morin went to Purdue. How did you learn about the IU-Purdue rivalry?
1: Uh, I think just hearing other people talk about it, the coaches talk about it, um, they really build it up. Uh, I think honestly, it might've been football my freshman year where right? I, like, I realized it seems like Purdue fans hate IU fans way more than IU fans hate
0: Purdue fans. <laughs> it's because they have an inferiority complex, <laughs> True.
1: but that's just what I've, I noticed. Um, so I think just seeing it from other sports made me realize how big of a um rivalry it was and I think we played at mm, I don't remember when we played Purdue I know we played them twice but I don't remember when we played them first but I think it might have been a home game and we just got so many fans just solely because they didn't want to see Purdue win and they wanted a good crowd against Purdue um it it was interesting to me and we got the little barn burner trophy thing yeah
2: do you do you hate Purdue now
1: yeah. Good.
2: Good. We just need the yes. We just need the yes. That's all right. Uh, look, we, we did get a response from from Coach Morin. Oh, please read it.
0: Aw, oh, exclamation point. I love it. And yes, I love The Office. Mac, Berger, and Wiz are my office peeps. Such a great
2: show. Is she referring <laughs> – was it a typo? Was she talking about Brenna Wise? No, Wiz is Ariel Wisney. Oh, Ariel Wisney. Wisney. Got it got it got it got it perfect that's awesome uh this is what you get on the hoosier hysterics late breaking terry morin weighing in on the office news um this was a record-setting year for indiana the 1920 season more wins than ever in program history 24 and 8 13 and 5 in the big 10 things are really clicking poised for an ncaa tournament run and then everyone's life changes and the mm-hmm. rug gets pulled out from under you and the uh big 10 tournament and the uh, the ncaa tournament canceled mm-hmm. um how difficult was that as a as a, you know for you and your teammates at a moment where things are really at kind of a fever pitch for iu women's basketball
1: yeah um i think for me it was like I was finally really getting adjusted to like college. And I felt like I was like hitting my stride kind of in the winter of that year. Like I had a routine down. Um, we were doing well. Uh, things, things were just going really well. And then we got that news. Um, and my it was, it was really hard for me to see Brenna wise go through that and yeah. just realizing like when I stepped on the floor with her, I think in the big 10 tournament against Maryland, like, just the thought that that was going to be my last time ever playing with her is like it's hard to wrap your head around um, because she's such an incredible person and she deserved to go to the tournament. So it's hard to fathom why that why that could have possibly happened at that time. But I don't think it ever really sunk in until like I was we were told we weren't going to go back the rest of the school year because in my mind, it was like I packed for three weeks when I went home. I did not pack up anything. I literally packed a suitcase and I was like, "Ugh, like I'm gonna be back here in three weeks. Like this is so annoying. And then my dad was like, you might want to pack for more than three weeks. Like, <laughs> we're gonna have to go back for a workout. It's fine. And then little did we did I know I was not gonna go back to school until June. Um, so I feel like it was there was a lot of denial at first that things really happened and the way they did. And um it was definitely just hard to see that happened for Brenna. Um,
2: Yeah, Brenna, there there are these people within the history of of all these programs that we've kind of been able to talk to. There are people that like, were really part of the foundation of building something and then they graduate and the team the year after wins the national championship or a big 10 championship. And you feel bad that that person who was such a part of it doesn't get the recognition. And I feel like Brenna, Deserves that as part of what she did for Indiana. She was such a foundational piece when she came to IU, and and was such a great teammate. She was somebody who didn't care how many points she scored, you know, like she just did whatever was needed in each game. And I know you two were really close. You you guys were part of the the forwards that referred to yourself as the hype squad. Is that right? A hype zone. Hype zone. Hype zone.
1: zone. Okay. Hype zone.
2: Uh, what was that about? What was the hype zone about? Um,
1: I mean. It was kind of just an expectation for the post players to like bring the energy and practice every day. And I think that started at the top, obviously, with Coach Rhett because he's like the hype zone leader. Um, And then it trickled down to the rest of us. So um, he had the expectation for us just to bring the energy every practice, bring the hype, like do the little things, just really getting excited during practice. And I think Brenna like exemplified – she not only exemplified the hype zone, but she exemplified bringing good juice every day. Cause she did that every single day. She, she never had it from the outside perspective. You would never think Brenna had a bad day just because she was always so positive and so energetic and brought such a light to the team. Um. So she she exemplified what it meant to be a hype zone member. For sure, now,
0: as the reality of covid kicks in and i think we all went through that like oh this is kind of weird for a little bit and then it's like oh no this is going to be weird for a long bit how did you adjust and specifically how did you work on your game when you couldn't be in bloomington working out with your teammates
1: yeah it was a lot of making do with what i had because i had a gym that i went to i think for the first couple weeks um And then everything really started to close down, um, which was hard. And I sent Kev like what I had for workout equipment at home, which was like a set of dumbbells and like a couple free weight machines and an exercise bike. And I was like, here you go. Can you make me a um, workout plan? And he did. Um, So I was able to do a lot of body weight stuff. And as a team, we were on Zoom calls doing Zoom workouts that Kev wrote up for us. He got really creative during quarantine trying to keep us active because the best we could um so just and I had an outdoor hoop I made my dad we did not have an outdoor hoop to begin with then I made my dad buy one um so I could still do something um so I had one literally and it was like I don't have a driveway for an outdoor hoop so I was just like in the middle of the road but um (laughs) but yeah so it was just kind of making do with what I had and focusing on what I wanted to get better at and what I wanted to change for next season was kind of the only thing that somewhat got me through all of the isolation.
2: Well, you're being a little bit humble here because one of the major stories of last year, especially at the beginning of the year, was the fact that you got yourself in the best shape that I think you would have probably ever been in. I think you've been quoted uh, as saying that. And that that really you know, you, re- you lost Brenna, but you brought back, you know, uh, obviously Grace and, and Allie. But you and your improvement and your then insertion, of course, into the starting lineup was a major reason why the team took another step. Um, was it a conscious decision for you, even in the midst of COVID, that I'm getting in the best shape of my entire life?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know when I decided I want to start losing weight. I don't know if I even told myself I was going to start losing weight, but I was like, I want to clean up the way I'm eating and um, I want to make sure that when I, whenever I get the chance to go back to school, I'm going to be in the best shape possible. Um, so I would have to drive to like random fields in Maine, like untouched, like, like not mowed grassy fields and i would (laughs) i'd have like and i didn't even have cones like i had an extra shoe and i would set it down on one end i'd like pace what i thought was 100 yards and then drop the other shoe and then do the workouts that kev had written out me um like looking back i probably looked so funny to cars (laughs) but did um,
2: did anybody ever take video of that did you ever go with your dad ever take video or something
1: no i would always just go by myself um I, yeah, I was just like, well, if I'm going to go find a field somewhere and run in it for 20 minutes, I'll be back. Um, But just things like that, um, I think, made a difference. And um, when I did go back,
2: what? No, sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. Sorry.
1: Uh, When I did go back to school, I felt like I was actually in in really good shape and I felt good. Um, But it was hard, you know, keeping motivation to do things when you didn't see, like, the finish line at all like especially I want to say like in April when I had no idea if I was going to go back to school even like even in the summer but not even the summer like the next academic year so it was hard
2: what's the one food item that was the hardest to give up or cut back on
1: um uh, I I really just stopped like uh I don't know I just changed like how much I was eating, I guess. I didn't change so much what I was eating. I changed a lot of like my portion sizes and I didn't really eat like fast food or because you couldn't, obviously. Um, fried food, I gave up. Um, I gave up mac and cheese. I haven't had mac and cheese in a really long time, but I do love mac and cheese. I, I, I'll i say mac and cheese, honestly, That's because I used to eat that quite a bit or just pasta in general, but I started to you know, cut back a little bit on that. Um, but yeah, that was just when I was trying to lose weight. So I've implemented most most things back into my diet at this point.
2: Well, you come out and it, the work that you put in the off season obviously pays off your season opener. You go for 13 for 13 from the field. You set a single game field goal percentage record in Indiana, by the way, for this is math that even Ward and I can do 13 for 13 is a hundred percent. It's 100. <laughs> I used my calculator. Um, and what's interesting about this year, this last year, is it actually starts off a little bumpy. You know, you, you win a couple games, but then you lose two big games to Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, you're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The season is truncated, obviously, not as many games. But you get into the Big Ten and things really start rolling. I mean, in a way that they never have for Indiana women's basketball. And you're you're just delivering double-doubles and huge games. 18 and 11 against number 14, Maryland. 27 at Penn State. Road win at Northwestern, 22 points. Back-to-back 25-point games at Iowa and against per, uh, Penn State. And I want to point out the Iowa game because it was the first time since 1994 that Indiana had won at Iowa. Um, did it just feel like things started to click, even though you're in the midst of this very difficult season with games being canceled and isolations, but that things are really rolling in the Big Ten season?
1: Yeah, I think that our growing pains that we had as a team kind of got settled out by the time the Big Ten season hit. Obviously, we had a couple girls who opted out. um, Yeah, how hard was that?
2: How hard was that to deal with?
1: It's hard because, you know, we go from having – I don't remember how many players we went from having – and how we shrunk as a team, but you know, Jalen was a starter, so losing a starter and just I feel like we adjusted really well given the circumstances because I think we we went undefeated the rest of conference once that happened. So um we we adjusted really well and you know we had one of two options is you know to just keep going and keep our mind focused on the goals we have set out or be worried about what's going on you know off the court and I think we did a really good job focusing on us and just really like I said a bunch of times rallying around each other and um and I think once we got you know those t- couple of tough games out of the way I think we learned a lot from them we went back watched film learned from them and it like I said we have that tough non-conference schedule so when conference play comes around we're we're prepared for those games that come down to the wire.
0: we we think it's an equal playing field when, okay, nobody has a home crowd, you know, but we also feel like Assembly Hall is an especially advantageous place to play when you're the home team. How did you guys adjust to no crowds? Because you clearly did it better than a lot of other teams.
1: Yeah, it was hard. Um, At first, you know, we had the cardboard cutouts and then we had like the white noise fan noise in the background, which was a little
2: ridiculous. By the way, by the way, just so you know, board ward, he was there in assembly hall rooting Did you guys on. This face? Yeah. <laughs> he was there. I, I where do you remember where you were?
0: He, 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 was, you he was behind, behind the, the great basket. seats. He was he was behind uh, behind the basket. Yeah.
2: Like twelfth row. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah, it was hard. Uh I like I feel like some of the games that came down to like the wire, like that um, Tennessee game, like if Mm -hmm. we had fans there, I feel like we could have just had that extra like boost we needed to keep the run that we had going. And I think that's when I really started to realize how much of a difference that fans make because um, they really, they keep the energy alive and there were times where it just felt quiet in the gym, and there's only so much energy you can bring and so much excitement you can bring between the team and the coaches. So it was hard not having fans for sure.
2: Uh, you win nine in a row at the end of the Big Ten season. You finish 16 and two in the Big Ten, which most years should be good to win the Big Ten. You finish one game behind Maryland. Uh, and then the Big Ten tournament happens, and you guys stub your toe against Michigan State. I am wondering, though, if that stubbing your toe helped a little bit you know we always hear about like when you're on a big win streak well better to get the loss out of the way now <laughs> and did it kind of reset you guys to lose the way you did in that in that first game of the Big Ten to prepare yourselves for the NCAA tournament
1: yeah I think you know it was at first it was kind of just like a initially just a shock to that losing to Michigan State because we know that we should have won that game and we had them for a while. So, um, I feel like after that game, it was kind of like, all right, it's really now or nothing. Like, luckily enough, we're a team that even though we did lose in our conference tournament, like we still get the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. And at that point it's when I go home for real. So I, I feel like it kind of, um, heightened everyone's, you know, intensity and, kind of coach Moran has talked about it, but playing with a little bit of desperation, like, okay, like we can't, we can't lose or else we're going to go home. So I think that it gave us this whole new um, level and everyone was super excited and focused on going to the tournament. So once we knew who
0: we were playing, we really, we really locked in. What was it like playing in your first NCAA tournament game? Did you feel the March madness even without the crowd? I was, I was so nervous I was so nervous
1: I it was kind of surreal because it's something that I've dreamed about for so long and then like I it was just I was playing in it before I knew it so it was super surreal for me um I just remember like my heart was racing I was so anxious I was so excited um but yeah it was it was incredible um and just being around like so many other great teams too, was really cool as well. And having my family there was awesome. And it, it was, it was amazing.
2: Well, you go for fourteen points, seven rebounds, five blocks against VCU. You go for 13 points and seven against Belmont. And of course the significance of this game is that it earns Indiana women's basketball, the first sweet 16 appearance in program history. Uh, before we get to that, the thing I do wanna bring up, there was controversy surrounding the women's tournament this last year, as it related to the setup that was given to you guys versus the setup that was given to the, the men. Um, do you remember, did that factor into you guys? Did Were you aware of that when it was happening? And, and if so, how did you just kind of like set it aside and focus on the task at hand?
1: Um, well, I, after the big 10 tournament, or maybe it was before that I deleted social media for the last month of the season. So I had literally no clue what was going on. I mean, I, I saw her like set up and I was like, well, this is, this is kind of lame. Right. um, But I had no idea what was going on on the men's side in Indy until I had like a couple of teammates, like, Oh, look at this, look at this. And I was like, let me not focus. Obviously this is upsetting and it should never even be a thing but i was like let me not focus on this right now like we can talk about this after the tournament's over because getting caught up in it now is is not going to change anything if you think about it so um i think i just try to stay focused on our team and um you know it's it's still a blessing to be there there's still so much we get there's still so many opportunities that a lot of other teams don't get so in the grand scheme of things like it it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal but I think that it was amazing what some players and coaches were able to do to get, to get it recognized and get it noticed, so change is happening. But in the moment, I was like, I need to focus on one thing and that's getting to a national championship game. I,
2: I don't think it's in any small part from what happened there that an announcement was made, I think today, that in I the past, that. that they've never used the phrase March Madness for the women's tournament. Mm -hmm. But today was announced that officially the women's tournament is going to be referred to as March Madness officially, which I think about damn time. I mean, it is March Madness. Like there's no difference.
1: That's what I've always struggled with was when people talk about, they there's like, Oh, it's March Madness. And then it's women's NCAA tournament or it's, I feel like even sometimes here it's like, there's basketball, and then there's women's basketball. Like, why can't we all just be basketball? Um, so I think just kind of bridging the gap between men's and women's and just making, you know, collectively one thing, and we're all playing basketball here. There's no real need to separate them like it has been. Um, that's the one thing I've always struggled with understanding why they've always been separated. So it was really nice to see.
0: Um, well, just- well, and, and, and you are – playing basketball at a school where the men's program is one of the most beloved and popular college sports programs in the history of the country so i i wonder if it'll be more evident maybe this year with fans back in the crowd but even just from walking around campus or the media are you starting to feel like the the ladies team are you finally starting to get your your due because like we all know you've been a lot better than the men's team for quite a while are you starting to feel that the the respect and recognition is coming along with that now
1: um yeah I mean to be completely honest like we have the best fans hands down in the country for the support that women's basketball gets here is unlike any other school in the country I believe unless like obviously UConn and schools like that but we get an incredible fan base every game so I'm extremely thankful for the fans that we do have old fans new fans um and I just want it to continue to grow and I want them to be able to continue to support both of us like that doesn't have to be like the men's basketball fans and the women's basketball fans like I just want them to be basketball fans and come support you know the men's team and us even if we aren't doing great just continuing to show their support like they have been um, is, is something that um, I really value here.
2: Well, you've earned it and you earned it even more by making the Sweet 16 where you're pitted against a number one seed in NC State. And I don't even need to ask. I know that you walked into that game expecting to win that game, <laughs> but talk to us a little bit about what it's like to play in a Sweet 16 game against a number one seed.
1: Yeah, um, I thought I was nervous my first game. Well, <laughs> um, that that was insane too because they started letting fans come in at um, a bigger capacity. And Holly Rowe was the analyst for that game, which was, and I talked to her at hour. I'm like, "Am I talking to Holly Rowe right now? Like, what is going on?" Rebecca Lobos on the sideline. I'm like, "Where am I right now? Like, this is insane." Um, and it it was just incredible to win that game and uh coach Ashley obviously was an NC State alum played there so she had a great scouting report um we felt super prepared going to that game even though it was a quick turnaround uh but it was that was surreal that at the end of that game was was crazy and I fouled out and um I just remember like I couldn't even breathe those last like three minutes of the game just so nervous watching in the sidelines but it was it was amazing, and that's something. The end of that game, is something, I'll never forget.
2: One of the great memories that I will have with my family. My, it was the first time that my parents were able to come to come visit since COVID. I live in Los Angeles; they're in St. Louis, Missouri, and they came out, and we were watching that game with you know their grandkids, my kids, and losing our minds, and and <laughs> it was just incredible to. To have that as a fan to rally around where we just hadn't, you know, COVID killed so much um, of the joy of sports uh, for, for over a year and to be able to be around my family and watch Indiana do something they had never done before was just incredible. I mean, you gave, you know, hundreds of thousands of people memories that they'll have for a lifetime watching that. And then you make the elite eight where you're playing against a team in Arizona, that obviously proved themselves going to the championship game, but they, I mean, they were just so tough. I mean, just so, just seemed physically strong and you went toe to toe with them until the last few minutes of the game, really, where they pulled it out. I would imagine that game leaves a real sour taste in your mouth and your teammates mouth though.
1: Yeah. um, Just thinking about how close we were, because you think about like how close we were in that game, but then it's like, if you look at it in the big picture, like that's how close we are to a national championship because we almost beat the team that almost won the national championship. Like it, it's just crazy to think, to think about that. Um, And that game, like it was hard because we were right there and every quarter, it seemed like we're right there. We have, we have, we have them. And then obviously Ari McDonald is an incredible player. She had an incredible showing at the tournament. Um, There was, it was just like everything she was shooting was going in and it was incredible that hit big shots and um and it felt like um and it felt like we never really were able to like match what they were doing we were always really close but we never were able to like pull ahead and gain momentum like
2: get over that hump
1: yes yes so so that was hard but it was a great great learning experience for me as a player I feel like I gained a lot just from playing in the tournament against all these different players and you know keeping your composure after a loss like that is is hard because you wanted to win so bad so I feel like I matured a lot just from being in the tournament alone
2: and now you have extra motivation heading into this year which we're all excited about before we let you go You've been in Bloomington for a few years, uh, a couple years now. Did Ward freeze? I think Ward is frozen. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Um, all right, we're going to go ahead because Ward oh. has having technical difficulties. All right, so before we let you go, we're having technical difficulties. Ward had to drop out. Good, <laughs> dead weight, get rid of him. Uh, I got to ask you our favorite Bloomington questions. You've been there for a couple of years now. I know you're eating better, but I don't care. Favorite restaurant?
1: if I don't have to worry about how much it's gonna cost? Yes. Um, let's, you know what? I'm gonna be loyal to my guy, Ed. I'm gonna say Buffaloes.
2: Nice. I love it. I love it. Big question though. Boneless or bone in wings?
1: Boneless,
2: honey garlic wings. Boneless honey garlic. I don't know about the boneless. It freaks me out. I don't know how they get the bones out. How <laughs> basically do get a the- chicken nugget. It's basically it's a, chicken a chicken nugget. Chicken. <laughs> but they are good. I do like that sauce though. All right. Favorite pizza. Uh, let's go Butch's. What is Butch's? I don't even know Butch's pizza. Really? Where is it? Um,
1: I don't, I'm not really great with street names. It's okay. a little tiny place. Um, it's not that small, but it's, it's pretty good. they Godfather pizza. Really good.
2: Is it, is Butch's Pizza on Kirkwood or is it like near College Mall or?
1: No, it's, it's near Kirkwood. I don't, it's not on Kirkwood though. I don't know exactly where it is. All
2: right. Ward's back, technical difficulties. He's moved over to his phone.
0: <laughs> I, I believe the termite guy cut the power to my garage temporarily.
2: Nice. Wonderful.
1: It's on, it's on uh, East 7th Street.
2: Butch's Pizza. Ward, we've got to go to a place called Butch's Pizza next time.
0: I'm, I'm always down to try new pizza. And especially from somebody who grew up with great pizza, we got to assume Mac knows what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. How does it compare to your hometown house of pizza shop?
1: It, I would say my hometown house of pizza shop is more like mother bears type of pizza, mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of pizza, which is good, but Butch's is more thin crust and I, and I prefer a
2: thinner crust. Yeah. Pizza. Favorite class. <laughs> Look, the that that well, face,
0: <laughs> normally we ask least favorite class, so maybe that's easier. Oh yeah, finite. Yes.
2: That Ooh, is the correct boom. answer. Yeah. That is the correct answer. By the way, the face you gave, the the the, the thought bubble is I have no favorite class. I
1: have no favorite class. Yeah.
2: Yet. Uh, what is your major?
1: Uh, human development and family
2: studies. So, do you have a thought of what you would do post a basketball career? Um, I would like to coach.
1: So nice. my thought
2: process is
1: I could have you know majored in sports marketing and management, but I feel like doing something like HDFS can give me better like you know more tools to understand players and kids and the development of them, so that was my thought process. But coaching is the ideal goal.
2: Well, Mac. You, you've given us more time than we, we asked for. You've given us about an hour and a half. Uh, I've said this to Grace. I've said it to Coach Morin. Uh, I think I've said it to you in person, and I will say it on this. What you have been a part of at Indiana basketball, uh, and I am just going to call it Indiana basketball, uh, mm-hmm. is just remarkable. It's never happened in the history of the program. And it has given me something extremely special to share with my daughters, especially. My son watches as well, but but you know, when you're a kid, you like to look up and see people that look like you and are like you doing amazing things. And you are, you are my daughter's favorite player. Uh, When I told her that you were uh, gonna be on this interview today, she asked me to send her the Zoom link. She wanted to be on it. I said, you're in school. She's in in, in sixth grade. i like, I can't do that. Um, But I have promised her that we are coming in December to see a game. And uh, if if there's an opportunity to meet you, I'm sure she would be awestruck the way you are if you would met Luca Garza. Uh, But but it really is, I don't get tired of saying it. it. What you guys have done there is so incredibly special. And I hope, even though you didn't have fans last year, I hope like Ward said, you are feeling the love of the fans because what you have created is just something so unique and special. And it is giving lifetimes of memories uh, to people and their families and friends. And we can't thank you enough for what you've done and how you go about doing it. We, uh, we really love what you guys are doing and are such big fans.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Um, and obviously we have the best fans in the country. I've said that already. So I really hope that um, we really felt the love without you guys being in person. So I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like when we can see you guys all in person. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get the season started.
0: Well, good luck we will uh, we'll be cheering from afar and hopefully up close and in person too. And, and just know all the way out here on the West Coast, people are still going crazy for what you're doing.
1: <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much. That was a
2: guest, that was a guest. Before we get into that, the quality on your phone is so much better than your computer. You
0: think it's the camera or the connection? The camera. Yeah, well, that makes sense. The phone's newer than the computer. Yeah, I mean, you look crystal clear.
2: Oh, I don't know if that's good. No, man. <laughs> All right, look, I love her. I love her whole aura. I love her spirit. I love the self-deprecating um, you know, attitude that she has while still also being a very confident person in her ability and, and the team's ability. She's clearly a teammate-first person You know, you can just tell it's about the team and how glowingly she talked about Brenna Wise, who didn't even play last year, and how much credit she wants to give her. Um, I just love her. I, I, You know, we've had the opportunity to talk to a few people now associated with the women's program, and we got a firsthand look at how they work out. And I just, I've become such a huge fan of what they're doing and the culture that they have created.
0: I would encourage anybody to do that Google search. Just put Mackenzie's name in there, Indiana, and it comes up pretty quick, the five-minute mic'd up video of her in practice. And I think that tells you all you need to know about what kind of teammate she is and the vibe she has because she's out there competing, encouraging. But it's, it's, it's so fun. You know, it's contagious. And I think when you're grinding every day, with the stated goal of being to win a national championship. The only way you can sustain that is if you have a leader like that, keeping everybody loose, keeping everybody feeling included and just having those good vibes because there's, there's, you know, whether it's the physical pain or the rigor of that kind of schedule or life of being a college student while trying to compete at the highest level of a game, it's just invaluable to have somebody with that skill set and that personality, and you just you're so grateful she's there now, and you just hope uh, as she spoke about these freshmen coming into this culture that with with obviously the coaching staff and the upperclassmen passing that on, this isn't going to be you know this this clearly as long as Coach Morin is there is is a program that's built for the long haul. And when you have players like that setting an example now that we're going to be able to enjoy uh, these games for a long time to come. Couldn't agree more.
2: Uh, Can't wait to get back and see them play. And again, I would just say to anybody who hasn't taken the time, think about the excitement that surrounds IU football and what they did last year and what Tom Allen has done the last couple of years with January bowl games. And understand that what Terry Morin has done is even better, relatively speaking. You know, she made it to the Elite Eight, one of the final eight teams, and went toe to toe with a team that made the national championship game. She was 16 and 2 in the Big Ten uh, after a 13 and 5 season in the Big Ten, and now one of the favorites to win the Big Ten coming into this year. It's remarkable. They deserve our support, and I I hope we pack the hall for them. I can't wait. Uh, And we're going to be at a game, at least one, and promoting the hell out of those games so people know when they are and when they should show up. And if you want to follow us on Twitter to see all that information, we're at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But but the sometimes sometimes Y. And Ward will be back on his computer, or who knows? The phone may be the way to go. It's good quality. Maybe. The point is, hopefully, all the termites will be gone by the time we do the next show. You have
0: to get tented? Well, he said because of the shape of our house, it's not a very good house for tenting, but he thinks he can get it done with the spot treatment. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warren and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we well, who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics? Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you
1: with all Allstate.